Conscious Monkeys, before we start the show, I must warn you that there are ads throughout this podcast episode. If you'd like to get the show ad-free, you're able to get access by downloading the official Traveling to Consciousness app. It's available in the Google Play Store and iOS Store. I will note that there is a small monthly fee associated to get these episodes ad-free. And this is an important part. Make sure that any purchases you make, you make on the website, travelingtoconsciousness.com, because products are going to be 15 to 30% more expensive through the app because, you know, the big boys got to get their own check. Even though you're purchasing this stuff through the website, you will still be able to enjoy all this content on the app. Now, if you prefer the free route, you can get a free login on the app, and that will grant you access to challenges and notifications when new episodes arrive, discounts, exclusive content, and so much more. All of this just by searching Traveling to Consciousness in your phone's app store, or click the link below. Now, Conscious Monkeys, let's get the show started. spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. Alright, what is up Conscious Monkeys? Welcome to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. I am your host, Clayton Kateri. Today's guest is a deep, or is a, huh? I wrote that wrong. (laughs) Today's guest is deep in the healing space. He hosts ayahuasca retreats in the sacred Valley of Peru. He does trauma healing. He does comic energy healing. You could also go to this man if you want to learn how to open your channel. And so for him to be able to teach you how to open your channel, he must have his own open as well. And so he is a galactic channeler, which I found interesting my, because literally yesterday I was in an Akashic Records training to essentially open up my channel and we talked about the galactic realm. So hopefully we'll get into that at some point in this discussion. But with all that being said, Conscious Monkeys, welcome to the show, Michael Thornhill. Michael, thank you for being here. Clayton, everybody, thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for a beautiful introduction. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, so Michael, I always love to start off when you were a little kid back in the day, you know, maybe you were probably 10 ish. I don't know. Well, I don't know what age parents usually ask kids these questions, but let's say between eight and 14, you know, what was the first thing that you wanted to be whenever you grew up? I wanted to be a soccer player. So okay. There's a big thing over in the UK. Soccer, it's kind of like the biggest sport, really, seconded by rugby. So I actually wanted to start playing soccer, and then I got into rugby, and then I wanted to play rugby professionally. But oh, when I was 16 years old, I got a, got a pretty bad injury on my shoulder. had multiple operations, which, interestingly, I now know kind of put me on a particular path, a particular path that didn't take me down the professional sports route. It's- um yeah and so with that being said did the injury did that limit your ability to play 
yeah, it stopped me playing. I got a scholarship to college to play to play uh, rugby, which is slightly different to college in the States, but it was like 16 to 18, and I got to go to a boarding school, which was really my ticket out of my kind of like life. I saw that as my ticket. I was good at rugby. I knew I could get the scholarship, so I got this private school, boarding school, kind of a little bit like Harry Potter, Hogwarts kind of place in the countryside in England, and I got to go there, play rugby. But unfortunately, a few months in, I uh, dislocated my shoulder and, you know, tried to do rehabilitation and yeah, didn't work and uh, fell back into kind of partying and drugs and all that stuff. Mm. All the fun stuff. (laughs) Um, Well, and so it's interesting whenever you say, I saw that as my ticket out. The only time I've really heard that phrase used is usually in the space of if you were like, we're brought up in a bad neighborhood. So was you, were you kind of like in a rough neighborhood in England? Well, I grew I grew up in North Wales. So uh, my wife's from America. So I still, I, I have this conversation describing what the difference between England and Wales and the UK and Great Britain is. And honestly, <laughs> I still don't fully understand it myself, but I'm from North <laughs> Wales and um, I, it wasn't necessarily a rough neighborhood, but there were rough parts and I, I was in I was in trouble. There was a when I was about thirteen, fourteen, one of my friend's brothers was getting in some trouble with some bigger guys and he didn't know how to stand up for himself. And I s- stepped in and I just said, you know, this guy's harmless. He's a guy who didn't fight back, didn't do anything, was very quiet, harmless, very nice guy. And I stood in. And uh, I brought a world of trouble to my doorstep. And these gangs were chasing me. Uh, they were they were waiting for me outside of school, outside social gatherings with knives, trying to get me in the back back of a car, in a trunk of a car, saying they're going to set me on fire. All this stuff. I didn't. I really didn't know what to do. And um, yeah, by that time, I was I was looking at like this boarding school opportunity and there's other things going on, you know, didn't really like the kind of place I was in. And I could kind of feel like the trouble I was in that I could see people dying, people getting into trouble with the police, people going down the wrong path. So my, when I take ticket out, I knew that if I got myself out of that environment into a good school, that that would be my ticket out. But in this situation before I actually moved, um, it was actually the guys who, the guys who were chasing me, the guys who were, who were wanting to essentially, as they said, kill me, died in a car accident and overnight oh, wow. it stopped. There was I was very relieved. You know, it's obviously not nice for people dying, but I was I was relieved because I felt like they were gonna kill me. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> Jeez. I mean the first thought that comes to mind is like talk about the universe helping you out. <laughs> I mean that that might be a dark joke, but that's Wow. So was this all stemming just because you told them not to pick on your brother? Yeah, it wasn't my brother. It was my my friends, my best friend's older brother. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, it's it started from there. It started and then they sent one guy to beat me up and I beat that guy up. And then they sent the bigger guys and then they came with weapons. And uh, I remember my advice to my granddad, bless him. If someone comes to you, you just stick up for yourself. You know, if someone hits you, you just hit them harder. And I realized that was just getting me in more and more trouble, you know? 
So uh didn't work out quite that way, but yeah, it stemmed from that. And um I really noticed that was that was a really big armoring of my 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 innocence, I would say. Because I was not a fighter at heart, you know. It's uh, I, I when I've kind of worked through that process a lot of that. But I really noticed that as a part of my life where I had to kind of put this thick skin on, be this person who was kind of like scarier than he really is. You know, kind of like you see those animals in the wild that have these like displays of like fierceness that don't really want to fight. I, w- I would say that was me. And that felt like the only way out at that time. And obviously that was, um, yeah, lucky time for me to get out of that. It's really interesting because I had whenever I was younger, probably in like my middle school range, I kind of had a bully myself and it's really interesting to me, kind of like looking back on that situation after kind of doing all the inner work and personal work. So I'm curious as to how is your perspective? Cause I could go into great detail about how my perspective has shifted, but I'm curious to you, how is your perspective kind of shifted, you know, now See, doing all the inner work, understanding psychology, understanding how healing happens, understanding trauma. How has your perspective on bullying kind of changed, you know, maybe since you actually experienced that event? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, um, it's, it's been interesting even quite recently that this has been coming up for me, like deeper levels and layers of that. And I, I was also going back, which one of my recent process over the last couple of weeks were, were even my friends you know when you have like friendships groups and and kind of like the guys like make fun of each other and that kind of like oh yeah i'm a man kind of thing and all that stuff i was like that was really hurtful so i've been going through a process where i could feel like even my best friends were even bullying me and i noticed how i noticed how i shifted my persona to to fit in so I, I shifted my persona to to kind of deflect that bullying. And mm. I, I noticed how detrimental, how much that I'd abandoned myself from that, you know. And I can also see in, in those situations where I'd also kind of, you know, perpetuated that in circles and not been so nice to, to other people and kind of that growing up. And I, I've kind of had to do a lot of inner work around, you know, my perpetuation of that trauma and, you know, kind of do the inner, inner spiritual work around that. But ultimately it's just trauma that's passed down because I don't think anyone's born a bully. I don't, uh, there's no, if there's, the, there must be a perceived benefit that if I'm a bully, that's going to get me something. So if we can just kind of just cut to the chase uh, and transform what that perceived benefit from bullying someone else is and just get someone to access that unconditional love from the get-go, then I think we could just kind of like cut that whole bullying cycle out. And the thing, you know, I think it's interesting how we talked about sports or so early on, because I have not talked about sports for quite a while, but <laughs> even in those circles, it's kind of like, it's kind of like permitted, you know, it's like the kind of camaraderie and, and, and the inner bullying and, and the kind of like aggression within that is promoted, you know? So we have this whole cycle where if you actually exhibit these traits of kind of aggression of closed downness, then you're actually awarded accolades by coaches, by, by people in the sports arena. And then you also get respect from peers, which creates a safety net can often find, make you on some level attractive to other people. And it's just like, well, who, where did this all start? How is this a life that we're living? You know, it's just like, what a rabbit hole. Oh, and you're so right. And what's coming to mind is even how your own grandfather 
was basically telling you like, oh, well, if you get punched, just hit him harder. It's like, to me, at least that, that resonates as this doubling down on violent aggression. Right. And I mean, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. So if everyone just keeps doubling down on violent aggression, humans aren't going to be in a great place of safety, security, prosperity whatsoever. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more in, in the transformation that w- we can go through when we stop retaliating, you know, if we, if we can stop retaliating, cause that, I think that's the real strength is if someone attacks us to find that place where you don't need to respond or ret- retaliate. This doesn't mean not to have healthy boundaries, but like, if you look at all the aggra- acts of aggression in the world, for conflict to arise, they must be met with another act of aggression. That's what escalates. That's the fuel for the fire. And that's not to say that people shouldn't stand up for themselves or anything. I'm not saying I have the answers to the world's problems or anything, but just the, the, the question to ponder is, do acts of aggression continue if they're not met by acts of aggression? Now, in that situation with, with my friend's brother, it makes me think, if I'd not stepped in and actually put some fuel on that fire, they may have just in a week or two just decided, nah, I'm going to pick on someone else. And that, me thinking I'm going to be this kind of like knight in shining armor or savior, I, I, I've just added fuel to that fire. I was the act of aggression right. that responded. And what's kind of interesting there, and maybe this is different, or maybe I'm projecting my own bully situation onto those guys, but the way that I've always kind of seen it, and that your answer kind of touched on it, is that their model for how they receive love or how they give love, it feels to me as if it comes from probably a broken household where aggression or, you know, whether it's verbal or physical is what becomes perpetuated on them. And therefore what I believe is that they see it as they need to go out of their way to perpetuate it on other people. And what happened in my situation is I wasn't retaliating back. Like I wasn't I was kind of closing up for instance, but I wasn't like dishing the, you know, kind of that, that jabbing, like we were talking about, like between guys where there's kind of that, you know, that subtle putting down, but there's like a humor in it. Like there's humor in the putting each other down and I wasn't retaliating. And I think that's what ended up, well, I'm 99% sure that's what ended up the fire or the fuel getting put on that, the fuel getting put on the flames of the fire, which caused him to make feel like I wasn't, showing him love i wasn't showing him love even because his form of receiving love was being put down was feeling that act mm-hmm. of aggression and since i wasn't doing it he the only way he knew how to express love was to continue this perpetuation of bullying me until i would bully him back essentially and yeah and then so i actually got into a fight with him and this is how it all stopped and i remember it was just like this flood of emotions kind of released whenever I actually stood up for myself physically, of course, not saying it's the best in hindsight, but it was the only option I had left. And I remember he got suspended or he got suspended. And then the next day I saw him like in the hallway and he was like, and this broke me whenever I first, I couldn't figure this out for the longest time. He was like, he was like, man, Clayton, like I'm getting suspended. He's like, he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, and I was kind of like, are you serious? And he's like kind of talking and he's like, you know, we were just like having fun. Like, why are we actually getting in trouble for this? And that one interaction, like I still have it seared in my head. That one interaction, like broke me for the longest time, probably held that for 10 years until I 
had this whole insight of how our childhood trauma feeds into our present reality, how we're all basically looking for love and don't know how to act it out. And I'm like, holy shit, like <laughs> he was bullying me because he was trying to love me. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what world? <laughs> what world we live in? Right. Sorry, I had to go. What was that? I missed it. I said, I'm sorry you had to, to go through that. I mean, oh, not, I mean only, not only from, you know, having that, not wanting to respond, be aggressive, perhaps go beyond your natural kind of compassionate nature, but also to have that from someone who you care deeply about. I mean, it's tough now. Well, I mean, I think so. But I think that's kind of just like, it's probably just a part of the, the, the staging of you like realize this, right? Like, you kind of have probably anger towards this person probably before that and after it a little bit and then kind of confusion as like to why did this happen to me? You know, does he really not see what he's doing? But I feel like I'm even at a point where it's like, Oh, like I needed this lesson in order to understand a more complex and nuance of the way that the human psyche even works. So, I mean, I appreciate it, but like at the same time, you know, I'm at a point of just being grateful for it because it has illuminated me to like look at bullying in this new light. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's beautiful. I'm glad that you've found that resolution and you found a peace with that. And thanks for sharing your story. Ah, for sure, man. Well, in getting back to your story, you said something interesting where you were talking about how, when you were with like guy friends, I think, and you were saying when you were making fun of each other and you said that it would put you in a place where you felt like you were abandoning yourself. Are you able to expand a little bit on that idea of abandoning yourself? Oh, let's go. (laughs) I've had so many (laughs) posts around this. I just, I remember had this like about a year ago when I was doing a plant dieta, which is basically like learning from the plants and being in isolation and fasting. And this is the kind of work that we do. This whole process over this dieta was, I was seeing all these points and places in my life where I'd abandoned myself and then feeling the consequences of that. And, and, and so I'll take it back to, to this, this point where we're, we're looking at. So like, I'll take it back to like the first day of high school for, for, so for the first day of high school in the UK is like 12, 13, something like that. Following on from my grandfather's advice, he said, if anyone hits you, you hit them back harder. So this guy hit me in the back of the head. They were making fun of me we couldn't get through the door and they were making fun of me and they hit me in the back of the head. So I granddad on my shoulder turned around. I was like, who hit me? And I punched this guy as hard as I could in the face. And he put me in hospital, just like completely put me in hospital on the first day of school. Oh, damn. I was like, that was the first day of high school for me. So using that abandoning of myself, that's not, that wasn't my words, you know, and again, my granddad didn't know any better. He was just trying to look out for me. I don't doubt that. He wasn't trying to cause any trouble. He was just like, grew up, you know, probably born in like the twenties, the thirties and that whole thing. But I abandoned my true nature because that wasn't my true nature to go and hit someone. So in that sense, I'd abandoned myself and then look where I ended up. I ended up in a hospital. And then I also got a reputation of being someone who hit back, which also played into the whole kind of my high school experience of like having to continually abandon myself to create this persona of someone who was able to stick up for themselves when really inside there's just a frightened little boy just being like, please don't look at me. I'll do anything to not get this attention. I also learned though that I could 
make myself seem more aggressive than I was. And that seemed to kind of defend me without having to actually engage in physicality, which was, and I'm like the whole time, I'm like, please don't see, I'm bluffing. I have, I have twos and threes <laughs> at the table. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm selling that I've got double aces here and like, please don't call me. But you know, sometimes it did and it kind of, you know, but um, to like kind of go back onto that, abandoning myself and and how that links into the, the trauma, I, th- I think that we create that perspective of the world based on other people's perspectives and beliefs. You know, for the first seven years of our lives, we're, we're absorbing everything. It's it's forming our worldview on our shapes. And as we're growing up, then we have our peers and then we take on those people that we respect and we create this whole thing. And I think, I think that that can be completely bypassed if we're taught from a young age to how to access our own truth and also that the power of uniqueness is is celebrated and that we're taught to do that but my case it was just kind of like you got to make it on your own you got to work out what this world is like and and i can find in these situations and i take in my present day life how that kind of plays out if i find myself getting a little bit frustrated or you know being a little bit short with my wife or just you know just like finding myself frustrated or answering to something in, in in a way that's not as loving as i know i can be that is the true nature i can feel okay i, I realize that every time i choose that action out of like a negative emotion. Every time I'm, I choose that, I'm abandoning myself because that's not my true nature. So I think on some level, when we when we create a, a baseline level of conscious awareness, that when we choose, because ultimately, I think when we have that baseline of awareness, when we respond from a contracted state on some level, we're choosing to abandon ourselves and perpetuate trauma. So I think that a really powerful mm. exercise in my life has been where, where have I abandoned myself? And this doesn't need to be just like about arguments. It's like, you know, I didn't go on that motorcycle ride that I really wanted to go on. And I did this other project. I abandoned myself or I decided that I was going to work late because I felt like a pressure for a deadline, but really my true self wanted to take a weekend away and go into the mountains. So it's like, it's been such a powerful process because with that, that powerful process of inquiry, where am I abandoning myself? I think that's just a, such a great access point to finding the true self because you can find all those points in your life where you're choosing something else. That sounds pretty powerful. Where am I pretty good? Where am I abandoning myself? And like, how does that kind of come up? Is it from, have you felt that majority of these things have been impacted from, let's say societal norms where you're quote unquote, abandoning yourself in order to please others or to please society? I think let's just go back to like that feeling of what you were discussing about you and your friend and that wanting love underneath that really wanting love so you could say you know in that in that situation of like there being an abandoning of the self from like the true self wants the love but then the kind of traumatized self doesn't know how to do that and acts in a certain way so for for me in in my life i I think it it manifests like i can i can look at i can look at a point i can like one point comes up straight to me of like when i first smoked weed when i must have been on that 12 or 13 year old and I had older friends and I, I was instilled in me. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. And, you know, I'm not saying that marijuana is a drug and it's a plant and all these other things, but from that perspective, I took that as a recreational 
drug. It wasn't for spiritual awareness. It was just kind of like, that's where I was. I didn't want to do it. And I know, I know that I kind of felt the peer pressure and I did that. And I know that took me down a path. Mm. And I'm, I'm also sitting here and I don't feel like it was the wrong decision. So I can recognize that I've abandoned myself, but I don't necessarily need to regret it. I can just implement that now and think, okay, that I did that because I wanted to fit in. Because going back to that love wound, it's that wound that's like, I just want to have friends. I just want to be loved. I just want to be accepted for who I am. I just want to have fulfilling relationships. I want to be able to do all these things. And everyone was doing it. And I was just like, okay, you smoke the weed and everyone feels chill and you can kind of feel that connection and everything. And it just kind of like sent me on a certain path, you know? But I do, I do think the one size all the one size fits all approach that we have to humanity, put, trying to put everyone in a mold. On some level, we end up abandoning ourselves, and I think that that's the transition from third to fourth density consciousness is everybody recognizing I'm a unique human being, a unique being with my own divine soul print. How can I be empowered to make the choices that are perfectly right for me? but would be completely incompatible to the next person. And it doesn't make one choice right or wrong. It's like this whole model for, model for society that we have is that there's the model human being. And it's like, who's the, who, whose blueprint is that? We're trying to mm. fit into someone else's mold. So what I think what we need is more diversity, more intuition, more recognizing our, our true selves. And, and yeah, I think that that question that comes through, like how am I abandoning myself? It doesn't mean that if you're doing something that, that, that you would consider is abandoning yourself is the next person abandoning themselves. Like a CEO who's running a Fortune 500 company, and this is, this is exactly what he's here to do or she's here to do, uh, that's not necessarily abandoning themselves. That's what they want to do. That's part of that expression of their soul's blueprint, possibly, not in all cases. So I think it's just how do we connect to our truth? And I think when we start recognizing that everyone has their own truth, that there's no right or wrong, I think that we're all going to start like being having a more loving heart open society because we're taught that things are right and wrong. And it's just like, okay, what happens? There isn't, if there's no right and wrong, what do we do now? You know? And I mean, I think that's the de facto, right? Is it kind of ties into good and bad. Like we, we don't really know what's good or bad. And from a political place, people will often say like the common good. And for me, it's like, that's always a non-starter of a conversation because look, I barely know what's good quote unquote for me. And yet you want me to make a decision in terms that's for the common good of everybody. <laughs> like to me, it kind yeah. of comes like, if I hear people say that I'm like, you're, you're, you're like, it's almost, I don't know. It feels like it's almost coming from a lack of responsibility where it's like, Oh, I know what's best for everybody. So everybody should do. And it goes back to exactly what you're saying actually with this mold of okay, this is what we all need to do for the common good. And it's like, how do you know that everybody needs to do this one thing and everything will be all right? You know, and and it's so fascinating you actually touch on this because it's so true where, you know, at the end of the day, maybe we need more diversity. And, and you know, it's, it's funny as well that you bring up the job aspect because for me, you know, I, on paper, I was a software engineer. I was not happy. So I ended up quitting my job and starting a podcast. And it was the most like enlightening or not enlightening, I guess enlightening, but more centered. I was no longer abandoning myself to go to your words. And I was so just like centered by doing that where I started thinking everyone needs to quit their jobs. Like this is what we all need to do. And then 
I ended up staying with a buddy of mine in Orlando for a week and he just absolutely loves life working his nine to five as a software engineer. And it opened my eyes to exactly what you're saying, where it's like, okay, some people can absolutely love their nine to five while others have to go out and start their own podcast. And it comes back to, okay, do you have your own podcast yet? Your real desire is to be a gardener or are you being a software engineer and you actually love doing that from nine to five and then playing video games afterwards, you know, and it's, and it's breaking away from that societal mold to just be who you are and not abandon yourself for the society at large. Yeah, no, I love that. And good for you for, for finding, you know, that, that power to just say, this is not working for me anymore, you know, cause I know, I know it's, that's not an easy decision. It's not, you know, for anyone who's out there and just like, oh, you know, someone's left their job and they're going full on their dreams. It's like, okay, that's the kind of like the cover story of like, you know, on the cover of the magazine, like man leaves nine to five <laughs> starts podcast and like, you know, like the kind of like the, the production notes to that movie is kind of like, you know, in my case, when I left is like, man, it's super scared about, am I making the right decision? Where goes my security? What am I going to do? Am I going to, you know, all this other stuff. So like kudos to you for just going. I, I don't pretend to know what your experience of doing that was, but I just know that it takes bravery to, to step into that truth. I think it's, it's, it takes, it takes bravery to overcome the fear of, of making that change because there's, there's so many societal fears and norms that are, put into the nine to five, the peer, the, the society, the 401k, the kind of the healthcare, the, the insurance, all these other things, which makes you rely on that system mm -hmm. so that you never escape it. You know, you become that rat. I think that's why I call it the rat race because you're just in that cage. And, and I think in the cases of many, the door can open and I don't think people will leave because it's, it's so self-containing the system and the society that we built that's everyone's living in for the most part in individual housing, having individual families, having needing to survive for themselves, needing to make so much money, inflation going, the, the whole economy, you know, driving the way that we live our lives. So to take when that wave, and, and when you say a wave, powerful politicians, powerful corporations, it's the whole way that we're born into the world with this lens on that we basically just see 3D as this is the way that life is. And it's like, who made those rules and who's it benefiting? Conscious monkeys, I need to tell you about these psychedelic fabric mushrooms that are absolutely incredible that have just come across. They're all one of a kind and are honestly a perfect trip buddy. They're an incredible addition to anyone's like house or room who takes psychedelics and you have a certain spot that you like to go and relax. You're going to have to check out these Aquarius mushrooms. These high-end mushrooms are made with 100% recycled material and are all one of a kind. Honestly, these mushrooms are something I'm not going to be able to describe in words alone. You're going to need to check out the link below and search to see if you can find one that resonates with your soul. Remember, they're all one of a kind and made from 100% recycled material. Aquarius Mushrooms, premium mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. So then to start questioning that, it's like, it's like when you watched in the in the matrix when it's like the the one with the red dress and they turn around when you start questioning that family friends peers bosses everyone starts sowing the seeds of doubt 
oh, you shouldn't be doing this. What about you're going to, you're throwing your career away. You need this, you oh, need yeah. that, you need the car, you need the house. So it's like to actually go and take that step, which you've gone taken. I mean, it's just kudos to you because it's, it's not easy, you know? So, and I, I just, you know, I respect you for doing that. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I, a lot of stuff was coming to me as you were talking about that. And it's, you know, there's a lot of, let's say, build up to it. Um, you know, a lot of the things are kind of just hearing, you know, educating myself through reading or just hearing so many things that are like along the lines of, you know, you need to do what you fear um, and trust in the universe. Those are the two core themes that kind of are coming through right now. But, you know, living in that modality of like, it's like, what did, what do you fear the most to do? Like, like that's usually where life lives in a sense. That's where it like exists. And after hearing enough successful people say that and it resonating with myself enough, I decided to no longer abandon myself and listen to that and to dive into that and say, okay, like I have like, what, like, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like I, everything on paper was like great to exactly what you're saying, but it's like, at the end of the day, you come home to yourself. So it doesn't like really matter. And it's like, you know, I, I had some save, I had savings working off savings until, you know, the podcast got going, you know, kind of that whole thing, but it's, you know, and the next level of that is just having that trust in the universe that it's going to provide an analogy that I've always used on here is like, you know, if you're, you're living in New York and your end goal is to, let's say, drive to Peru. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if you can drive there. You probably, you probably can, right? <laughs> we'll just assume. I'm not sure. I can go through some dodgy territories. <laughs> let's sure say, we'll say Mexico or something. But, but the point is, is that you don't need to see the entire road to get there. You just got to know you need to go south. Just go south and see 200 feet in front of you. And this just magical thing occurs whenever you're, you kind of like release this control and control is another interesting theme that's been coming up in my life as well. But when you release this control to the universe, it just finds a way to pave that road for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. Uh, The imagery that comes to me, I don't know if you remember the Indiana Jones film, I can't remember the Raiders of the Lost Ark or I can't remember what it is, but he's going over to get the Holy Grail and there's like the path going across the canyons and Indiana Jones just has to put his foot out. And as he puts that foot down, the path's there and no one's gone across that path because it looks like it's an impossible place to travel. It's invisible, so, right? The path's yeah. invisible. Yeah. Yeah. And then he throws I, like the stuff across it. Yeah. It's a, I think Indiana Jones must have had like a, a big impact on my childhood because <laughs> so many Indiana Jones analogies always come up when I'm working with people in movies. I'm like, oh yeah, Indiana Jones again. <laughs> but no, I absolutely, absolutely love that, you know, that that analogy of just like, you know, you need to go south, get there, the road signs will appear on the way. Trust that because, you know, it's so overwhelming if you're like have to plan the whole thing out and even if you do plan the whole thing out you can't you can't account for the road works you can't account for the diversions and other things that go on the way and i think the one thing for anyone who's done a road trip when you just get to a fork in the road and you just go do i go left or right and there's no map Mm. there's just like which way do i go and you just like go and then you find this amazing you know thing that you would have never seen that wasn't on the map you know so i think i think that transition like the first part and you know and again i'm, I'm not like here like i'm 100 trust the universe because i'm just like i still get fears you know it's still like i'm gonna take a step forward it doesn't you don't have to be 100 trusting the universe to take a step right so if anyone out there is like i gotta be 100 trusting of the universe before i take this next big step in my life probably not going to take a step because i mean 
to get 100%. I'm always like, I've always said, if I can get 80% on something, that's like a go for me. And I'm probably getting like less and less kind of a bit more trust. But <laughs> yeah, cool. like just that, that fun that arises when you not only trust the universe, but you trust that that's actually going to be exciting, that that's actually going to be fun. So I think that's when you start moving from surviving to thriving, when you start actually believing in it. I think that's kind of like when it's when it gets fun, you know, it's like oh, when, when, you can, when you can trust it. A hundred percent. And one of the new ideas that I kind of just came up with is to think of that extreme, right? Like imagine that the extreme opposite, excuse me, would be to fully plan that trip from, let's say, New York to Peru, where you literally map out every single road you're going to stop at. You map out the gas station that you're going to pick. You map out, let's say, where you're going to get food, the hotel you're going to stay in. You map out you know, what inch of road you're going to cover all the stuff, right? It's like, where's the Mm -hmm. excitement in that? You already know what's going to happen. You already know the entire trip. So why even go on it? Like there's nothing for you, you know? It's like, you already did it. Yeah, I totally get that. And then like, I think what's also interesting, like tying back to what we said before about like people's soul blueprints, perhaps there's someone out there that's like, that is so exciting for me. That's so exciting for me to know every step of the way <laughs> sure. for me for sure like that excessive planning like sucks dry that it, it, it kind of like you know when you go like um temping bowling i think you call it temping bowling in the states or bowling, uh, just bowling with yeah just bowling right you know you know you kind of have the things on the side of the of the the lane bumpers yeah, the bumpers. It, can, it takes the fun out of the game, right? It's like you do it. It's like okay, so it's like take those bumpers off and and like there's no just risk. Really start bowling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no risk. So. I mean, and this is actually a really fascinating thing that I actually came to as well with regards to my job. Is you know you assume that there's no risk because you're working for somebody else, but when you take a step back, you're actually putting yourself in more risk because you're putting more trust and faith in this company that you have no idea, unless you're in their finance department, you have no idea what their financials look like. You have no idea if they're going to be able to pay you in a year, two years from now. I mean, you know, it's like a soft guarantee. It's like if the, if they go belly up and lose all their money, it's like, you know, there's not going to be any laws that hold them accountable to supply money for you for the next 40 years. And so Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, well, do you like, it's risk either way. It's risk if you go out on your own and start your own business, and it's a risk if you actually stay with this company. So, which risk do you want to play into? Yeah, I know it's totally, and I think that's the thing that's behind the scenes that it's that false sense of security that we buy into. That any moment, if the powers that be decide that you're no longer in their best interest, then you know you're out on your own anyway. I think one of the interesting things to look at, and this has also been kind of like a a good motivator for me in my life alongside the uh, where am i abandoning myself it's like if like money didn't exist on the earth if we didn't play this whole game of having to you know earn money and and live the life like we do what would i do you know what would i be what would i be doing how would i be how would i be showing up if if money wasn't a factor in this thing and and i think that's been a really big refinement process for me and like i can tell you straight away like in terms of our, in terms of our business and our work, for the most part, I feel like pretty aligned with that. But I tell you one thing: I wish I'd 
have more time to ride my motorcycle, which I don't have because I had to sell it. But you know, when I say my motorcycle, I mean my future motorcycle that I'm going to rebuy. There you go. There you and go. Make more music, you know, so I can feel that as soon as I say that straight away, it's like, okay, if I didn't feel that kind of like, oh, you know, we're running the business, we, we got our retreats, we got, you know, the, the whole thing of continuing to reopen after the pandemic and stuff like that. I can just feel straight away. So I think what I'll take out of this conversation is just like, and I've been feeling this over the last couple of weeks. It's like, how can I start integrating more of that music? And I think that's, that's the next level of trust for me. And I've been feeling it of like, you know, I've been doing a lot of work. I've been doing a lot of promotion. We've been doing a lot of stuff. We've been a lot of preparation for our retreats, reopening back up. And I can feel that not an abandonment because I don't think it's an abandonment because what I am doing feels like it's heavily aligned, but there's that kind of just like, there's like a glimpse of another reality where I can do all the things to, to run our ayahuasca retreats and our business at Casa Galactic and all that stuff. But then I can start like nurturing the inner child that just wants to just take off for like two or three days and ride in the mountains, you know? And, and yeah. like, so I could just feel that like the level of peace of like, I can feel it's coming but like the thing that gets me is like, I can feel it's coming, but then am I delaying it? Or could I just like, after this call, you know, start playing some music, write another song? Or is it like, am I delaying my, my idea of what I think to be more balanced as something that's in the distant future that I'm like, if I just, just do a little bit more of this or just do a few more days, mm. you know? So it's, that's, that's kind of my battle because I think if I hundred percent trusted the universe for me and my own story, to be more play in my life. That's, that's, I, that's where I feel like where the grips of capitalism, like still holds on to me. And I, and it's like, we live in a capitalistic world where, where I live. We, we know that's kind of like the rules that are played to a certain degree, you know, um, where we have to make money to pay our bills and do the things that we want. But I used to run a, I used to run a headhunting company. I used to run uh, to recruitment and headhunting and I got successful and made my own business. And again, I kind of got to like the top of, I wouldn't say the top of my game, but I got higher and I had my own business and I had the money and I was like, not happy. So it's really, it's been such an interesting process for me. And also my wife, cause she's also Capricorn. We're both Capricorns running a business. That means we do a lot of stuff. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, but like noticing where the, the feeling of lack or, or those kind of feeling of like, okay, I just got to do a little bit more to like, kind of be productive, noticing where those like talons are still kind of like gripping in from that mm. kind of collective consciousness that we live in, you know, mm. and I've been, I left my, I left my company. I left the, I left the West like six years ago you know, and I've been living in Peru and thankfully we've been able to create a really loving, authentically aligned where we feel completely aligned in our business. And, you know, that changes and, and shifts from day to day and we continue to be more, but it's like, okay, I can put that passion and creativity in there, but it's like, where am I still operating from the fear-based lack beliefs that the universe is not going to catch me if I take three or four days off? I mean, wh where's that come from? You know? <laughs> Well, it's like where where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's deep rooted in exactly what you're. I think you already know the answer, and I think the you said the answer in that message because what it's relating to me is I actually did a yesterday I had a uh, akashic reading, and then I also had like part three of my like training to actually learn how to read the akashic records, and 
uh, one of the questions I actually asked the Akashic Records was that, like, you know, I find myself in these moments where I want to do something and I like want to do something for my podcast or business or, or, you know, to, you know, create and cultivate and do something. But it's this mixed energy of there not being anything to do. It's like, I know that there's nothing I could physically, like, there are things to do, but nothing I'm feeling called to do, but I have still that energy of doing. And so I asked it, I was like, you know, when I find myself in this situation, like, what should I do? (laughs) And basically what was told to me was just like, you know, it's, it's a symptom of essentially what you said with, it's a symptom of like, I'm not gonna be able to word it as beautifully as they did, but it was along the lines of, it's a symptom of, you know, this capitalistic society that we live in where it's kind of like always do always go. It's a little bit of wounded masculine where you have this feeling that you need to keep doing. And what kind of came through is, you know, a flower doesn't need to do anything to be a flower. It doesn't need to constantly be doing something. It doesn't need to be constantly be drinking water, constantly growing. It was, the message was essentially is like, there's time where you can just be and you can just enjoy being. And I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I had a feeling you're going to say something like that. <laughs> and so to your point, you know, I, I think that there probably is this mix of, you know, I, I think that we do live in a society that has a heavy wounded masculine, which if we relate this back to the earlier part in the podcast with, yeah. you know, um, you know, the idea of bullying, I think that comes from a wounded masculine perspective. Uh, some people so, call it, some people call it toxic masculinity, but I feel like that phrase has the wrong connotation nowadays. Um, but so it comes from a wounded masculine. So I think it's that wounded masculine mixed with a capitalistic society that always has this in this perpetuating feeling to need to do more and that there's more I need to do. And yet the universe or mother nature or the feminine, the unhealed feminine is sitting there saying, no, we don't, we can just do nothing. We can just be and enjoy nothing. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think I, I really like the way that you that you bring that back to the the wounded masculine. And I, I think I think I can feel like from that wounded masculine of what we've been talking about, the bullying and kind of other traumas that occurred earlier in life for me, there's this, and I and I know it in myself, my own process, there is this deep wound of feeling unsafe. And then, you know, talking about that as the masculine, the kind of masculine archetype being like the protector or something that keeps it safe. So I can feel that, you know, it's, it's really nice. It's bringing a deeper level of awareness to me there of like how much, how much of that wounded masculine comes through into the doing that wants to keep my family safe, you know, keep our business moving forward. That's that, that's that really is that wounded child that's just like can someone just keep me safe and i've already mm. i'm already aware of doing so much you know okay where's that fear come from you know but when you were sharing that i could feel my nervous system just relaxing it's like clayton says it's okay i'm a flower don't worry about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> smart nervous system <laughs> um and the other thing that's actually coming into my mind that i'm feeling called to share with you i've shared this story so many times on my podcast and we can go into the deep details of it but from a high level there's a past life that i've been dealing with or not dealing with that has been been coming up a lot with me and you know this story spans back eight months ago and there's a whole bunch of evolutions to it but the core crux of it is essentially that i like lied to a king this king ended up like tying me up beating me and then in front of me had my wife actually like uh you know gang raped in front of me and so what essentially i just 
came to realize yesterday was that for me, a huge issue with my wounded masculine is the fact that I don't want to go into the feminine. Like that, that trauma that happened to me, I am, or happened to me, happened for me, right? <laughs> happened for me. It, it made me view the feminine as weak. It made me view it as like, okay, well, if I'm weak, if I go into my feminine energy, I can be taken advantage of. And, you know, of course that just happened yesterday. So it's this whole integration piece that I'm still, obviously it just happened yesterday. I'm trying to figure out now that balance between like, you know, where is that, where's the pendulum shift? How do I get that pendulum to sit right in the middle of the yin and yang of, you know, balancing that masculine and feminine energy within my life, given, given all of this. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a, what a deep revelation. Conscious monkeys. I need to bring your attention to this company that I've been using over the past few months and probably longer now, if you're hearing this, that has absolutely changed the way that I'm actually interfacing with the world. It's a company by the name of Conscious Technologies, and what they do is actually create these harmonizing units. And what it does is it actually takes the rotation of EMF frequencies that are in your area and harmonizes them. They make them in line with the true natural frequency of the universe around you. And they're incredible products. I actually went and I've tested out their quantum flow unit. I've tested out their meditation bed, their core harmonizer. And quite frankly, they were so incredible that I actually bought the cell phone EMF harmonizer for my cell phone. I was also lucky enough that Ross threw in a necklace as well. So I've been wearing that thing. And quite frankly, I'm even wearing it to bed and my dreams have become so vivid and just intense that it's pretty insane. I honestly feel so grateful to have it. Their mission is to bring forth technologies that support the harmony of mankind and the world at large. Go check out their stuff. I mean, looking's for free. And if I'm being honest, if you click the link below and make a purchase, I do get some kickback. But quite frankly, I wouldn't be promoting it if it didn't work. So with that being said, go check them out. Conscious Technologies, LLC. Link below. Now, let's get back to the interview. With, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that doesn't sound too comfortable to to re-experience that i can imagine how that would leave a, an imprint on the soul wanting to heal that and i mean how beautiful that you have an awareness and your own ability to to be aware okay this is influencing perhaps how i'm showing up or how i react or behave in certain situations so i think i think that's really beautiful i think i think from my own process you know my, my dad wasn't around when i was growing up and I think a lot of I thought a lot of men can can find themselves not having that father figure in that role, and the father and people who are around not having the mature masculinity that we really all desire. That mature masculinity that's like if someone if someone attacks you, you just want to like distance yourself from it. Don't provoke anything. Come and talk to me, and I'll deal with that. You're a, you're a young boy. You don't have to stand up for yourself. You know, if some mature masculinity is like coming in and showing that, you know, how many of how many of these immature masculinities, the wounded masculines, w- wouldn't have not cemented themselves in our personalities because that mature masculine would have shown it would have shown a better route from New York to Peru. It would have shown the best route that you can go. Like, this is the route that you want to take. You don't want to go down that road. There's some kind of road works that's going to be annoying. It's not safe down that road. Someone who's going to guide you safely to where you are. But I also think that there's, there's also an opportunity, I, I think, on planet Earth. And I, 
maybe slightly controversial in what I say um, with love in my heart that I think that it becomes a big identity that people attach to with divine masculine and divine feminine. And for me in my own experience, I'm like, yeah, that's totally useful. Like we're having like a really great conversation about the wounded masculine and how that being men, how that can affect us. And also there being a wounded feminine and all the rest of it. But my point being here is at what point do we all see ourselves as one beyond gender identity beyond the idea of masculine and feminine there's so many people have come up to us like oh you feel like the divine mat it's all about the divine feminine at the moment and I, my wife and i are just kind of like we don't really have so much gender identity in kind of unless it's kind of brought up and yeah i just think it's a really interesting conversation to say okay how useful is separating out divine masculine and feminine and as i say completely recognize that it's useful but if we keep adding more layers of separation onto us as a species, like how useful is that? How useful, or is that just another way of wrapping up separation in a perhaps more spiritually advanced terminology? It's an interesting point. And what, where my mind is going, and maybe we can touch on <clears throat> your galactic channelings. <laughs> they might come into help here where my mind goes to this is that, you know, it's, there's a couple conversations here, right? Number one is the fact of, let's say, let's call it gender where we're saying male versus female, like, you know, biologically male or female. And then there's also the conversation of masculine and feminine being the energies, right? Because you can be a Mm -hmm. feminine male and you can be a masculine female or, you know, vice versa. And Usually the way I see it is, is that in relationships, and if somebody doesn't believe what I'm saying here, because I've had this conversation with very intelligent people and they've missed the point, um, it's like, you know, even in gay or lesbian couples, there's usually someone who holds more masculine energy and someone who usually holds more feminine energy. And so to that extent, you know, I guess I'm trying to parse out essentially what you just said, where like the my understanding is that earth has the most polarity and it might be the only pole uh, might be the only earth that experiences this heavy of polarity with regards to regards to yin and yang masculine and feminine that's my understanding and so you know i think it's that piece of reintegration where we do need to come back and acknowledge the fact that we are at this like well i, I guess i don't want to say that or at least be able to find that middle ground. And so I'm trying to figure out how to integrate that conversation into what you kind of just laid out about and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it came across to me as if you feel like there's it's, it's not, I don't want to say that because that's not what you said, but let, I mean, like there's this ability to almost avoid the feminine and masculine. I know you didn't really say that, but maybe that's how I'm just, I was hearing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Maybe I can elaborate on what's coming up when you're when you're saying. Please do. Like, what's what's being shown to me is kind of like the yin uh, and the yang, and you kind of look at that at the whole circle, and really, it's like the whole circle is like kind of the whole thing, and you can separate that out to the yin and the yang. But once they're perfectly balanced, they live in complete harmony. So it feels to me like that that. In my experience, what comes up is that, that when when the 
the healing of the wounded masculine and the healing of the wounded feminine or the healing of the masculine, the feminine unite that there becomes no separation between the two that it's kind of like the lock and the key that come together, not one better than the other that actually come in perfect harmony. And again, like you say, this doesn't need to be like biologically male and female. It can be masculine and feminine. I think, you know, we can all admit that planet earth has been masculine dominated in uh, immature in a wounded masculine way for kind of centuries. So I think that that's why, and I think that when we're talking about a pendulum swing before, there's this, there's a talk of, of integrating the divine feminine. And I think that that's awesome that we're bringing more feminine energy into the earth consciousness. And I think, you know, myself, I, I know that it's been a lot of integration of feminine energy into my own being, being softer, being more open hearted, being more compassionate, being more caring, being more receiving and uh, trying to receive love, noticing how difficult that is. But I, I think in this balancing that we're going through in earth, I think there can be a tendency to rather than see that as a balancing to then continue like the, the, the goal in my experience seems that the balancing of the masculine and the feminine is coming back into the oneness. So it's taken us into that point where there's no separation between the two, but we can get stuck. And I think in some circles we can get stuck on focusing on, okay, we need to be really masculine or we need to be really feminine. And that can be an answer. That can be a pendulum swing. That is an answer to a call of, deep levels of oppression or deep levels of it being one-sided and that pendulum swing can be necessary for us to go you know kind of to the other side extremes but i think that where where i'm going with this is kind of like how do we get to that balance because i think that's all what we really want is that we want that balance of the masculine and the feminine inside ourselves because i feel like once we balance that masculine and feminine energy with inside ourselves I think we find more inner peace, more inner harmony, and in our, our life, our love, our relationships, our work, that balance. But it's it's that inner conflict, that inner war, that 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 pull, that pull, that push. Which way are we going? And so, I think it's just it's it's been tough in my own life to try and balance that. And I think as just coming back to the bullying, and I think this is coming back to also anyone who's kind of like lived in a broken home or not had the the perfect upbringing. I mean, who has the perfect upbringing, not having that, those people who are healed, aware of consciousness, sharing what that balance is, do we end up seeing kind of like a broken figurine of whatever that may be and trying to replicate that in our own life. So we're kind of trying to like, if it's like, if you look at like DNA, and that the DNA strand, if the DNA strand has kind of got something going on in it and it's not, it's not in its perfect harmony, and then that gets replicated from, from parent to children. You know, we don't, we don't have the kind of like the perfect genome, trauma, trauma speaking or healing speaking to kind of copy. And I think, I think that's what's so beautiful about, about you know, podcasts like yourself and the, the beauty of the internet now is that, oh, hold on the blinkers are taken off. We can actually see and have all these other access and viewpoints available to us right here and now mm. that it's getting more and more difficult for people to stay enclosed in their one perspective. Mm. Right. And the shadow side of that is that with the internet, you have access to everything. So by having access to everything, it becomes like this pick your own adventure and what I noticed in my life was that I went down some dark rabbit holes of, let's say, forums, which I felt like there was truth in, but you know, it was very deeply rooted in um, 
wounded masculine energy. And, you know, I absorbed those for probably two or three years. Some, this is also something that came up in my <laughs> Akashic reading yesterday. But regardless, um, the point being is that you find these things and they validate thoughts that you already believed. It's like, this is essentially what happened. I don't know how much you pay attention to like the 2016 election, but even any social media for that matter is like the whole goal of them is to keep you on their website. So they want to self validate the beliefs that you already have. So, you know, you click like on something, you retweet something, you do this. It's like, all right, we're just going to keep giving you more of that because we know that if we keep validating your already current belief, we're going to keep you on the page. And the problem with that is, is though you have a current belief, that doesn't mean that it's the belief that is of your highest self or for the highest self of, you know, the individual or even finding that balance in the yin and yang, because you could be liking stuff that is very deeply wounded, masculine or feminine. And then you're just going to keep getting fed more of that. And all you're doing is pulling back that <laughs> you're pulling that uh, pendulum all the way into the, to the far corners of the yin yang. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very interesting with regards to the social media. And we we deleted our social media accounts about two years ago. And that was, talk about trusting the universe and to bring it back to abandoning ourselves, we noticed, we noticed that we were not enjoying using social media for our personal work. And we were just more and more using it for promoting our business, promoting our work. You know, we had a lot of followers and we had, you know, a good connection there. And it, we noticed time over more and more time that it became less and less effective. And then what we noticed was that more and more that we went on social media, the more that we would feel anxious and stressed after being on there. And, it, you know, talking about now again, bringing it all together of the, the kind of the soul blueprint is that we're seeing everyone's blueprints, people expressing their blueprints, or at least the digital version of what they want your them to think your blueprint mm. is and then people are trying to feel well people feel inadequate because they're not living up to someone's blueprint or what someone else's life is and we kind of all know that with social media there's so much kind of pretense that's involved with that but and i we watched one of those documentaries which which kind of went into the election about showing how facebook just keeps you on the page and they're just feeding you what you believe already so that you're like see everyone thinks this see this is what the mm -hmm. world's like and i was just like Oh my gosh. And then you live in that bubble, which is just reinforcing your own negative beliefs, turning you into a puppet for profit. And it's like, once we kind of saw that, we were just like, well, I think we'd actually saw that a little bit after we got off Facebook, but coming back onto the trusting of the universe and again, like the societal norms. And I still get people today are like, Oh, you're running a business. You really should, you really, really should be on social media. If you're running a business, I'm like, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I, it's not to, I didn't want to go into that, <laughs> Yeah, but there was a big, big pressure of like, okay, you, you need to be on social media. You know, you need to be on social media. So when we took that, when we took that leap, we created our growth portal on our website where we started creating videos, articles, and we just brought everyone directly to our website. It's when I first got into podcasting, connecting with awesome people like yourself, actually made like awesome connections around the world. Many people have recorded podcasts with or are now called friends that we've had just like mutually beneficial relationships that people then like, what was so interesting was there was maybe like 50, 60, 70% of the people maybe dropped off. 
And I'm probably sure that they don't even know that I'm alive anymore because it's been two years without making a post on social media. He must be dead. You know? right. It's kind of like <laughs> quite interesting. What we found is that we made much, much deeper connection with people, had much more involvement with our clients. And yeah, our business became more profitable. Interesting. But that, that first terrifying moment of like oh my god we're deleting social media and it's like when you delete it and they're like are you sure you want to delete it and you're like are you sure <laughs> we're gonna leave you 30 days to make sure that you're really sure and then it was all gone it was and we, we you know we jumped off the cliff yeah and um, it was one of the best things that we ever did personally mentally emotionally spiritually profitability business wise and we run our business completely without social media we don't do any of that. And, and it's like, when we create great content. We, you know, we, we have, we have loads of ways that we connect with people and it's just been, it's been rewarding. And I remember when, when I moved back to like where, where we are now in the sacred Valley, there's a lot of Facebook groups that actually like have things on and events and other things and kind of community content. And you can get on there to kind of like, sometimes when I first got on here, I was like, ah, oh, do we need to be in these groups to kind of survive here? because this is what the whole community kind of does. So I kind of just went on there for a second without creating an account. And I was just like, I feel terrible. I feel, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the feeling that I was in. So very interesting. It's a myth that you need to be on social media. It's been debunked by ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're not, not afraid of how we're going to do our business and things, but it's kind of like what we were talking about before. Like, you know, going from New York to Peru, in the right. car journey, we just knew we had to go south. And the people, the interactions, the opportunities that have come our way from getting in that car, if we were still on Facebook, we wouldn't be in that car. So it's just like, it's really, really, really expansive for us to do that. So, Conscious Monkeys, are you looking for a CBD cream that actually works? I've tried many different CBD products and I've really never truly felt like any of them have worked for me. Like maybe there'd be like a little bit of tingling and then it would fade pretty quickly. Then came along Revive CBD. From the first time I tried it on, I could tell that there was something different about this product. I noticed that any joint pain I had was gone within minutes of applying it and it lasted for a significant duration. I don't have an exact time for you guys, but do your own test. <laughs> So if you're still looking for the right CBD cream, then this might be the right one for you. Because if you resonate with my vibe, then maybe you'll resonate with this vibe. I actually kind of just made that up on the spot. So hopefully you liked it. <laughs> Check out the link below. And as a side note, like always, the link below is an affiliate link. But again, I would not be promoting them if it didn't work for me. So hopefully it'll work for you. Again, check it out below, myrevibe.com. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. If anyone's out there is thinking like, I've been thinking about doing that, just again, just trust that it's going to work out because if you're not enjoying your experience on social media and, and if people are enjoying their experience on social media, absolutely zero problem. For people who've got a big following, it's beneficial for business. People are loving it. Zero judgment about that. But if you're out there and you're feeling like, actually, I do feel like maybe I'm abandoning myself by continuing to, to play this game, recognize that there's something more aligned out there for you. And are you going to get onto that wheel or what the next cog of your expansion is if you're still being bogged down by something that's not in true alignment with yourself? 
And that comes back to our whole, you know, finding your own blueprint in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's really fascinating because what was going through my mind as you were talking about that was like TikTok, I, and I've never really used it much at all, never really dove into it. I would kind of post videos here and there. And over the last week, I actually kind of started sharing these like I inspire, I inspiring. That's not the phrase. Uh, <laughs> eye opening kind of ideas with people. You know, if it's about your pineal gland, if it's about, you know, social interaction, experiencing miracles. And I kind of developed my own little, like, let's call it uh, atmosphere for myself. And what I, what I ended up cultivating is, you know, within a week, I think my followership increased like, like, you know, a couple hundred percent, you know, so it was like this, like four or 500% increase in a week. And I, it, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is so cool. Like blah, blah, blah. And then it was crazy. What was crazy was what happened next. I found myself becoming more addicted to actually going on TikTok to get the validation from the likes, from the new follows, the, that constant stream of, you know, those numbers going up and then, and then, and then, and then I actually found myself wanting more. I found myself thinking to myself, like, why is it only 500%? Why is it not 600 or 700? And it's like, if you get a 500% increase on anything within a week, like, you, like you should take the next month off, like whatever you're doing and you generate a 500% increase in a week, do it. Just stop, <laughs> you know? And yet mm-hmm. I still found myself in that place of, I want more of this place of, I keep opening it up now more frequently. I should check on my phone. I should actually check the screen time after this and see the increase in my, you know, attention span that I've been putting into this app where it's just even just opening it to receive those numerical validations that are completely, it's completely fake validation. It's just, it's like a dopamine hack that, you know, obviously runs amok and then people find themselves looking at these things 24 seven, or even like myself, where you're just using this as personal validation. And it's like, it's not, it's not contributing anything to my life. I mean, I, I know that it's helping other people because of the comments on there, which is feels good as well, but, and maybe those are a little bit more genuine, but it's not where I'm going to get those dopamine spikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting, and I think it it comes back again to me. I think we're just having a few themes that are coming through in this in this beautiful interview of just where am I abandoning myself in that process? Because using using TikTok to promote, to connect, to inspire people is like great, right? But then the, the I think this is like just using this example, and, and this is how I've applied it in my life is like, but but within that, where am I abandoning myself? And I think that that's how that, that like that usage of social media, the usage of whatever app it may be of any of the other things that we do in our life, you know, it's like, it's just, it's such, it's such a, a bitter sweet question to ask oneself because it's like, do you really want to know the answer? If you yeah. ask and you search, and you recognize where you're banned. Cause I think that's what's, I think that's what's really interesting about consciousness expansion work. Cause like, I think kind of like, the Hollywood movie of the conscious expansion is kind of being enlightened and, you know, being Buddha and having all these synchronicities and having all the abundance and the law of attraction, all this stuff come to you. But I think like the kind of like the really kind of like gritty work is like, where am I, where am I unconsciously abandoning myself? And am I, am I willing to see that? Because it, because my brain, my mind is telling me that that's something that I actually love. But if you're willing 
to see a different perspective? Are you willing to see a different perspective that may influence you to take a left rather than a right in the next than the next turn? And short-term benefit, like the dopamine hit of whatever mm-hmm. activity that may be, may take a hit and you may feel a slump or a low as you're kind of detoxing from whatever it may be that you've been abandoning yourself, whether it be alcohol, substances, sex, work in different distorted ways or whatever that may be, you know, from my own life of addiction, I can see that and like coming off, coming off substances for the first bit, it's not easy. It's not like everyone's like, Oh great. You're clean now. Great. How's day two going? It's like, no one's <laughs> like that's great. It's like, yeah, it's a while. But once we detox from those things that are no longer in alignment with ourselves, it's like going in the garden. It's like going in the garden and, and, and taking out all the weeds. It's like not an easy job. You know, it might hurt your back a little bit. It's like tough work, but then you create that fertile soul for you, soil or soul for your garden <laughs> to, to grow in alignment, you know? So I, I think that's like, it's a lot of the work that I do with the people online in my trauma healing sessions and in our work on our retreats. It's like, helping people to turn towards the unknown mm. and recognizing helping people to trust that if you let go of something that's not in alignment with you you never really wanted it yeah because it's just like you, if you're going to let go of something that's not really in your highest good even if you can't see it like right now you know it's trusting something more than the human ego the human mind that it's going to be working out so i think that's when it comes back to that trusting of the universe it's like trusting those when you get to that fork in the road something telling you okay i know the kind of like the map says right but i really feel that that like left is going to be the way i'm going to go and i think that's that's when we can be that's when we can create really radical change in our life when when we when we tackle head on the things that we don't want to look at the thing that's lurking in the dark and this analogy that always comes up which is really interesting is like the unconscious that we go to face can often be really scary whether it be addiction can it be shame can be guilt it can be things done in the past it could be people we bullied it could be other things that we kind of grew up and we just like i can't believe i did that when we face that this imagery comes forth of like looking at a massive shadow on the wall that looks scary, like a big scary monster. If you can imagine like a big scary monster on the wall of the bedroom in the dark and you actually approach it with the light and it actually shows up that it's just like a small figurine that the light is projecting Mm. something that's much more scary on the wall. So then if you saw that same shadow again, you're like, Oh, it's just a figurine. It's not as scary as it used to be. But if we, if we do, if we spend all of our life avoiding running away from those things that that are, are fit, cause fear, and this doesn't mean that you have to go and run and just face all your fears. That wouldn't be necessarily be trauma informed or the right way to do it. But if we can edge with support, with help towards those things that are unconscious, that are unconsciously manifesting things in our relationship, our work, our life that we don't actually prefer, when we can face towards and we can recognize that it is a figurine, not a giant monster, we can begin to disarm those programs in our life and start actually living the life that we prefer. That's beautifully put. And it all comes from by, you know, I guess tackling those fears and maybe this is where it actually gets a little bit difficult. And this is kind of why it can be helpful to bring on somebody like yourself in order to 
see those aspects of what you're missing. Because like with your weeds example, I'd argue pulling weeds is a lot easier because you can actually see where they are. And <laughs> it's the same process for all of them. <laughs> when, we're, when we're talking about humans, it's a little bit more complex. And on top of that, the crazy part is, is sometimes you're not sure why. Like you don't even know why certain things are the way they are. Like you, like you feel like something is off. Like for me, and you know, this is going back to my Akashic Records story. For me, I was, you know, it was manifesting as like in a, I guess I don't want to call it an addiction, but I guess addiction is the word for it, but an addiction to porn in my life presently. And I couldn't figure out for the longest time, like why that was like, why is this happening? And the way that the universe unfolded for me, it was like, oh, you know, here's this thing that happened in the 1700s that (laughs) is coming up as, you know, this addiction in your current life. And I was like, oh shit. Like, and even just having that realization, it drastically reduced my usage by like 80 or 90%. So, you know, just the awareness of knowing where those blocks are coming from even that in itself can have profound effects to start the healing process there, which sounds like a similar thing that you did with you went through with your actual physical, physical addictions. Yeah. I, I think, Oh, firstly, thanks for sharing that. And, and what, what a magnificent just turnaround and just like changing your whole experience there with that awareness. I think it's beautiful and profound. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. And Yeah, with regards to the the awarenesses that that arise and how they shift and change, I think the first thing that it can really invite into our lives, which is often not given, is a level of self compassion and self love. And I, and I think that that's one of the big the big shifts and changes, which I think you touched upon, of that that shift from blame to okay, something happened to me. And I've reacted in a certain way and I behave like this, you know? So like if, if you put a hand or if a kid put a hand on a hot stove and moved their hand away, no one would blame that kid for moving their hand away. Right. Right. And, and like just going, going back and kind of dissecting my life as we've kind of gone quite far into some of those parts of the bullying, just coming back into a part of that. It's like, it's not my fault that my granddad told me to punch someone. I just, I just took the advice of a guardian who on, you know, had my best interest at heart. And I went and did that. And there was loads of consequences from that, but that I can't really blame myself for that. That was just the way it happened, you know? So a really deep level of healing that can come, whether we gain, well, I mean, one level is that we can gain a perspective. We can gain a perspective and be like, okay, this happened because this happened. And okay, I now I don't have to blame myself. I can have a, a deeper level of self-compassion for myself. I can kind of free myself from all this because I worked out what happened. The, the kind of quantum leap is just like self-forgiveness now because you're an infinite loving being and anything that's untoward or anything's away from that is because something happened to you on some level. You know, mm. you can rec- you can just go straight to that without having to unpack every little event in your life. Now, both, you know, both are, are great ways to, to heal, but I think that as we have societal healing, you know, if we look at like the prison systems, which are completely, I mean, I mean, it's like, that's like the 1700s or beyond that we just kind of, 
someone did something bad, so we're going to lock them up and we're just going to pretend they don't exist. That's just like putting people into the unconscious, the collective unconscious. Sure. No one wants to see anyone in a prison for the most part, you know, and you kind of watch a movie or a documentary and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is what kind of people like live like. And it's we'd, to start treating people like wounded individuals, I think is how we're going to have that collective collective healing. And you, you don't have to look at places like, I think it's in Sweden or Norway that they've completely eradicated the prison system where they start people who have, have committed crimes. They then give them into rehabilitation and programs that, that treat the trauma. So collectively, if we can begin to treat the trauma, then we're going to shift our awareness into forgiveness, into recognizing that, okay, who is to blame? Conscious Monkeys, if you're looking to start your own podcast, I have the two tools that you need to use to get that show on the road. And the names are Buzzsprout and Riverside. I'm combining these into one ad because, you know, I've honestly had nothing but the best for them. But if you're going to be using one of them, you might be using the other one. So what Buzzsprout is, is essentially the platform that I use to put my podcast out there. It's the reason you can hear this. That's the reason that I appear on all these different directories. The thing you might also need is that if you're interviewing people, you're going to need Riverside as well. And quite frankly, I'm using it right now to even just record these podcasts because they will even dilate in, dilate in. I don't think that's the right phrase for it. They will harmonize your voice so that it sounds equivalent. So if I start talking quiet at one point, they have a built-in editor that will actually make your voice sound crisp. I highly suggest Buzzsprout and Riverside. Go check out the links below in the description. And like always, these are affiliate links. So I do get a minor kickback if you do sign up with them. However, like always, they are incredible. The support has been on point and they always get back to me. So I highly recommend them. If you have any questions, they're there to help. So with that being said, go check it out in the link below and let's get back to the interview. You know, who was the original trauma? <laughs> who, who, who was the original trauma? Traumanator, Eve. if you want to call me, who? Eve, it was the it? Uh, it was the women. <laughs> she ate the so apple. I was thinking, that, yeah, you go, back, you go back to Adam and Eve. And it's like okay, uh, no, great. So, <laughs> no. I'm just messing. Recognizing- yeah. No, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> once we look, once we look at planet Earth, and we recognize no one alive is responsible for the level of trauma that's on this on on planet Earth right now. So we could, on some level, I mean, this would be like a, an audacious kind of forgiveness of the whole planet, but on some level, and you could, you know, and I've been sexually abused myself, so I'm not just saying this, like, we could, we could, on some level, say, let's forgive everyone who's abused, killed, murdered, done all these things, because on some level, we can recognize that the origination of that trauma has not occurred from anyone that's alive living today. So we could give everyone a pass. We could on some level give everyone a pass and say the trauma didn't originate there. That's not to say that we should get rid of and and say that people shouldn't be accountable and stuff. But I think just one viewpoint to investigate is like, has anyone on earth now originated the trauma or has everyone's trauma been passed down from somewhere? Well, so I might push back on that idea a little bit because and maybe I, I don't have a full scope of understanding of this, but, and you didn't seem to flinch whenever I brought up a past life. So you're must be on the same page of past lives where, you know, how do we maybe not know, or, you know, that, you know, it's not this incarnation from one of our past lives, right? Because isn't there, 
and I'm kind of out of my scope of understanding here, but like, you know, if you learn all the lessons you need to learn, you basically stop incarnating on earth is what I've come to understand. Right. So hmm, I'm not sure where I'm trying to go with this. I guess I'm, I'm trying to attack the angle of you saying that, um, you know, none of this is our fault for being here with this trauma, which at a level I agree with, right? This, the, I agree with the idea of like, it's not your fault for your trauma, but it is your responsibility to heal it. Like I believe in that philosophy. I guess I'm trying to now integrate that idea into the idea of having past lives where, well, I have been on this earth before. So how do I not know how do I not know that something I did in the 1700s, maybe before that, because I, I assume that wasn't my first life, but maybe it was, but at least in the 1700s, maybe I did something that, well, <laughs> I know that there's something that occurred that now I'm experiencing the ripple effect of it in 2022, but yet it was still mm-hmm. me that did it in 1700s, but now I'm feeling it still to this day in 2022. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. I like, like the inquiry. I think the first thing that comes back up to is that we're still viewing it from the point of good and bad. We're still labeling things as something good and bad. If we, if we actually just took away the word good and bad out of that whole thing and we just label it as an experience, Mm. I'm experiencing a ripple effect from the experience without it necessarily being good or bad. Okay. The second thing, what I was referring to in terms of the level of trauma on the planet was looking at things from kind of a linear time scale of kind of 3D, third density of people being on the planet that we can just look at here from that point where we have the the judicial system and we have people blaming people and doing these things that from some level to invite the idea that every human that's alive in this lifetime can't be responsible, isn't responsible for the level of trauma that's on the planet. So I'll get back into what you've said in a minute. So that's just like, because let's say probably 75% plus of the planet live in third density earth and most of the politicians and leaders of the planet and kind of do these systems actually live in that life. Let's just say, again, not assuming too much, perhaps that's not right. But yeah, then going back to the level of experience of what you're talking about from being in a past life, I think we can all just put our hands up and say, we've had past lives that we've all done things that perhaps from the perspective that we own right now, we wouldn't be proud of. So we can just, we can kind of just be like, okay, everyone's kind of done stuff along the way out of all these infinite number of incarnations. We've all done stuff along the way that where we are at in our journey now. And I think this is the shift. This is the shift where I'm at in my perspective of life. Now I can see that that's not something that's actually in alignment with myself. And just to bring back the theme, I can see where those things that I've done in these past lives or other lives on some level may have actually been abandoning myself. Mm. Another way of saying that would be where I was steeped believing in separation, where I was believing in the duality of things and I was out to serve myself, where I decided to, on some level, put my faith in separation. And when we're talking about abandoning myself to take this another level into like deeper level of consciousness. When we recognize that we're all one infinite consciousness, that we are all the, I am the infinite creator, anything that's actually in alignment with that belief, I would say on some level is abandoning ourselves. 
So anything that we've done through those incarnations and my understanding and through working with different galactic beings, channelings and stuff, I can feel that when we choose when we choose things that are actually against our true nature, which is an infinitely unconditionally loving infinite being, we are abandoning ourselves. But to come back into what you've said, Clayton, about like now in this life, we have the opportunity to see it from a different perspective and heal those wounds. We have it. Say right. if we did something in the 1700s that we were like, actually, that was that wasn't the best thing for my friends and my family. And now we have an opportunity with what we've learned through those lifetime experiences to say, actually, I choose love. I'm choosing love this time. So would you be able to, would you be able to choose love at the level and intensity right now if you didn't choose love, if you chose against love, if you didn't choose against love in another lifetime as like the kind of great reflector of I prefer love. I choose it. And I think that that's what's so interesting about the incarnation that I'm living, at least. I know a lot of other people that are in my circles and friends is, I think the big question is, how do I choose love in spite of all the trauma? How do I choose it unconditionally? How do I choose love without myself needing a certain outcome from that? How do I choose love without any benefit other than the fact that I'm choosing love? And I think, I think from my understanding that choosing of unconditional love at the best of our ability is moving towards ourselves. is, is choosing our true self is choosing that unconditionality is I think one of the most powerful things that we can do in the face of adversity. It's quite wild you say that because over the last week or two, I've been dealing with a family situation. I'm not going to go into too deep details of it because i wanted it's it's recent it's personal there's you know family stuff but the exact theme of it deals around unconditional love (laughs) and so i just i just want to point out that i find it quite fascinating that that's something that you're kind of dealing with right now as well i guess it doesn't really surprise me anymore but i guess i'm still a little shocked by it but um the other thing that was coming through as you were talking about this was you know coming back to my akashic record story And as I was saying, you know, in order for me to get chained up and those terrible things to happen to my wife in front of me, what I was also shown was that I ended up lying to a king in order for that to happen. Well, in the most recent relationship that I had in 2022, I guess it would have been 2021, the girl who I was dating wasn't being completely honest with me about just certain things. Like it would be like, do you want to, it would be little things that would prevent us from like hanging out or doing things. And it was just her holding back some of the truth. And so the inner reflection comes is like, okay, how was I, how was Clayton? How did Clayton, why did Clayton manifest that in a partner? And what came back to, and this was in my Kashuk reading yesterday was that it was, this story was also <laughs> this story was also a manifestation. She coming into my life was also a manifestation of this story in my past of and, and so it was so fascinating how this one story, you know, related to porn addiction, related to this girl, um, you know, let's say not telling the whole truth. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Not lying, but just not telling the whole truth. And, you know, it's also linked to what was the other thing that it was linked to? Oh, the being afraid of feminine energy and not wanting to dive into feminine energy and trying to be in this wounded masculine state, essentially. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where I was going with that, but I found it fascinating that it actually has all of these different heads 
one incident <laughs> created all of these different, like a Hydra effect onto all of these different areas of my life that it's like, you know, the Akashic records, the intergalactic beings, whatever is trying to communicate with me is like, Hey, this is, this is the scene that we're going to evaluate and push into your life and current time in order for you to get to the next level. Why did I bring that up though? I can't remember. I don't know. That was coming to me whenever you were talking about what you were ever, whatever you were talking about. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I've got, I've got something that comes up. I, I could share about it if you like, please, please do. What's quite interesting in, in a channeling sessions that I do for people online. Uh, sometimes people ask about past lives and like you've had in your experience of having that understanding from a past life, it's been incredibly powerful for you to understand some of the traits, experiences, traumas that have developed in your life. And you've been able to move from that to a level of compassion and healing and done this great work and sharing about it and inspiring other people. So awesome. The other, the other side of what, what always comes up to remind people, even if you don't have any awareness of a past life, the things that will manifest in this current life, even if you just stayed focused on this one life, on the healing of the body, mind, and the spirit from whatever arises to you in the present moment, will be able to heal all past lives. So I think that as you were saying about those current situations that were coming up, I think like the interesting point is, is like if you just focused on the current day situations and you didn't have that past life experience, perhaps you may have still healed it. Maybe it would have taken longer. Maybe it would have taken like three, four, five, six more painful experiences for you to be, mm. okay, I kind of finally heal that wound. But I think it's just, in, in my understanding, the body and our imprint that we incarnate in this life is a karmic imprint. And that that is a map that we can use to heal all incarnations. So I think it takes the pressure off of like, oh, okay, you know what you were talking about in terms of healing and then having a different level of experience because we heal our incarnations on earth like my invitation is is that this life is that here and now why wouldn't it be time's an illusion mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and it's interesting too because you know in this relationship amazing girl i don't want this to come off any as a bad way either i mean amazing girl and i you know obviously we're focusing on a very small subsection of the relationship. I mean, you know, but I found it interesting because, you know, to your point, it's like, okay, I can, so to your point, and maybe this is where I would, maybe this is going to be a little bit of a pushback on what you just said, but, you know, I, I found that in her, I, I, I could see that there was slight lying that I knew wasn't in my highest interest for my highest being. And so I could feel that I could feel energetic blockages whenever those instances would occur. So the question though becomes is why am I attracting that into my life? I know I don't want it, which is very powerful first, but then to ask yourself, why am I attracting that into my life? Do you not believe that there needs to be a, let's say a root cause for the manifestation of that to come into my life. Because like you're saying, if we're cosmic, I don't know if you said cosmic code, but cosmic like materialization of all of these things, you know, I would have had to have gone into a past life in order to understand where this came from. 
because for me to attract someone into my life who's being a little bit less than honest, it would have had to been a reflection of something that I did in the past that I'm still needing to reconcile, right? Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I think that's a good point. And I think that comes back to like the, the soul blueprints. Like for you, the perfect way to experience and heal that was to have the Akashic Record reading, to recognize that. And I think I think that that is also quite a powerful question as well. What you've mentioned is like, why am I, why am I attracting that into my life? I think that can be a very powerful point for inquiry. But I think the point that, that I'm expressing is that we can use the tools of going into the Akashic records or channeling galactic beings, plant medicines, whatever it may be to have awareness of these other timelines, these other experiences, but at the same time, if we don't have any of those experiences, if we just live our life, mm. those things, those things that we are working on, those themes will come up into our awareness field. And if we meet that with presence, I believe that that will heal. So again, it's just kind of like you can you can use whatever vehicle it is that mm. you wish to to, to expand in, a, in your consciousness. And why not? Why not go into past lives? Why not go into the infinite nature of the universe? Why not channel extraterrestrial beings? Because that's fun and exciting. <laughs> you don't have to be in a classroom learning about some kind of like psychological term or something like that. You can, that's great. But you know, there's all these things available to us. So my 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 back would be whatever whatever works for each individual in their expression of their lifetime to find the pieces of the puzzle and then put them together to to heal and evolve. You know, I'm right on the same page with you. Where it's like this is fun. Like this stuff's so fascinating to me. You know, it's like you know, even though how traumatic you know it is to watch your wife get raped, it's like to me it's so fascinating at this point to be like like holy shit like like that realization of like all of these things that have come together in order to form so that i could learn a lesson from something that happened 300 years ago it's like to me it's super exciting and i've had these conversations with my mom before and she's actually kind of pushed back where she's a little bit more on the side of like thinking it's overwhelming you know and and i guess i'm just trying to highlight the corollary to what you pointed out because i'm all on board i'm on the same page as you um but speaking with my mom, it's kind of like, you know, I get this sense of her feeling is like, it's overwhelming. She's like, why would you like, she's kind of in this mindset of like, it just seems like it's too much for her kind of deal. And, and she's probably the biggest fan of this podcast. So I know she's listening. So, um, she, you know, so in her mind, it's a little bit more of like, uh, it's like, it just, it's just almost too overwhelming for her where she's just like, like she, she's like all supportive of me doing it. But then to her, it seems like it's, just too much to take on, you know? So just as a corollary to kind of, you know, coming back to this whole blueprint idea. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that's awesome. You know, uh, hi mom, by the way, <laughs> thanks for listening. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but like whatever happens in, in someone's life, I think in these tools, I think, you know, look at like 30, 40 years ago where people weren't even really talking about, emotions mm. you know people weren't even necessarily recognizing that trauma probably wasn't even a word in terms of the emotional context maybe it was you know fast forward to where we are now and i think that there's so many different tools there's so many different keys to each lock mm -hmm. that you that you there's a, there's a key out there that's unique for you just like 
just like someone who listens to like Metallica and another person listens to, you know, Led Zeppelin and then, or someone listens to an Aretha Franklin and, and, and just whoever feels like whatever it is, it's like, there's like that innate attraction to whatever is aligned with your soul. And that is expressed through excitement. So using that in, in how you're working with those, with the, with the Akashic records and how that's exciting for you, that's, in, in my experience, that's like a signal that like the lock and the key is fitting together and it's opening and it's doing work. Mm. The same sense to use your, your mom as the example, that would be overwhelming where perhaps, you know, reading a spiritual book or listening to Gabor Mate talk about something may be more resonant and may be a, a better fit. The key might be a better fit for that lock. Mm. And I think that's what's awesome that we have so much therapy and more and more people doing therapy. I think I, I know we said that there isn't good and bad, but I think that there is some therapy that's better than others. In my experience, working with therapists that are more body centered, more somatic experience has been vastly, vastly more awakening and transformative for me. And, and then, you know, we look at like in the last 30, 40 years, how many people have the access to yoga and, and Qigong and meditation and other things that was only once available if you went to an ashram in the Himalayas or whatever it may be. And I think what the Renaissance right now and what we're really excited about is how the ancient technologies of plant medicines are really just kind of being a rocket ship for people to to transform and heal and evolve their lives and take, you know, what might have taken 10, 20, 30 years before can be done in a 10 day retreat. Now, in terms of when we work with people, we're very, very clear with people from the start. If you want to come and do an ayahuasca retreat with us, it might not be the best key for the lock that you have. You may be better off going to a support group. You may be better working with us online. You may actually be better working with a therapist who's actually specific, specifically trained in an area that actually really fits really well for you. So we're very, very cautious and careful when everyone, anyone wants to come is like, we come back to what is the intention? What's the intention for mm. you here? And then working out whatever that best, me best methodology is. Now, someone might say, okay, like let's, let's liken ayahuasca perhaps again, this is not a literal likening, but to like a Ferrari and he'd be like, okay, great. We're on a Ferrari, but actually what you're, what you actually need is something that's strong and stable that's going to be able to do the commute. And like, I don't think anyone wants to commute in a Ferrari, the amount of difficulty you might get it scratched, you know, it's going to kind of take a lot of gas. So it's like, what is that vehicle for you to make, take the next step? Mm. And imagine if you're kind of like traveling, say we're going from, cause you know, this has come up and I hope someone from New York is going to do this drive from Peru <laughs> and let us know what it was like because it's come up sometimes. But imagine you're taking that, that drive from, from New York to Peru and then you kind of have one vehicle and then perhaps you take a train and then you go and then you take a boat the vehicle that which is suitable for you for wherever you are on your journey may change it may, you don't have to have one vehicle but I think where wisdom comes in is recognizing where you're at in that journey and being honest with yourself about what that key is for you where where you are right now I think that was really well put I think that there's Thanks. a lot of truth in the idea of many different modalities and that they can be used for different things. I know, I mean, it, it does seem like, and this kind of goes back to the whole blueprint of the soul that we keep touching on is where the soul can have different modalities to heal. You, you need different things in your life to kind of show you different aspects. You need, 
you know, like if I'm looking for new ideas, I'd pick up a book. If I'm trying to find blind spots in my life, I would try to you know, I'd hire a coach. If I know what needs to be healed, I would go into meditation or journal. And, you know, for somebody else, all of those could be completely different. The end goal, and it's interesting, I'm just thinking about this now. It's something I actually talk about in my digital course, is that the end goal would just to be to be aware of all the tools that you have available and then be able to use them. You know, it's like, you know, if you need a screwdriver, it's like, well, do you need a Phillips or a flathead? You know, it's not like both of them are going to do even the same thing, even though it's literally the same tool, a screwdriver, there are still different variations in which you can use a different one for different purposes. Even that fine tuned nature of, well, I need to screw something in. It's like, well, there's still that extra level of like, well, which screwdriver do you need? And so, you know, you can't take a hammer to it, obviously, but it's just like there's that different level of abstraction to it. Yeah, I, I really like that analogy. And I, I, I think that sometimes, you know, and I think this 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 happens with plant medicines because, you know, plant medicines can maybe be likened on some level to kind of a power tool that's kind of like just going through and just like getting a job done quick and it's very powerful mm. and can move and get things constructed and deconstructed in the way that you that you want them. But like, if you're kind of carving a very nice small wooden figurine or a chess piece, that's not going to be beneficial for you. So I, I think that that's where that real wisdom comes in that you've spoke to about those different tools is like the wisdom comes in and knowing out of all these tools which are available, out of this plethora of magic, which we have access to now, which is the most suitable part for me in this part of my healing and evolution? Where is that? Where is this? You know, we've in quite a few channeling sessions that we did the kind of the cliff notes when we've had different questions that have come through about plant medicines, about yoga, about uh, about other tools for remembrance, as they were they were described as, is that there is these different technologies which are which are inherent within planet Earth that in my experience and what's come through a channeling are left on planet earth for more advanced civilizations that from what time has forgotten, what our history doesn't know about that are left here. And that's when you can kind of go back to the ancient scriptures and other things like that, that these technologies are actually tools for us to be able to remember. Conscious monkeys. I've got something out there for all my coaches, anybody who has digital courses, anybody who's creating content, whether it's audio or video, you got to check out SuperPass. SuperPass is the super dope platform that I've been using now, and they're actually what has enabled my app to work. It's what's enabled me to start generating income and to help people more effectively. If you are a content creator, you create audio, video, whatever it may be, SuperPass might be the choice for you because they'll provide you with your own app and they have a great online service to also help you out. So I'm not going to put in too much because everything they do is way too much to pack into this one ad. I will say go click the link below because that is where you'll be able to find all the information. This is an affiliate link and I wouldn't be promoting them if it didn't help me. Click the link below and go check out SuperPass. With that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the last segment of the interview. So whether it be plant medicines, whether it be yoga, whether it be meditation, and kind of like the ancient technologies, you know, breath work being another great one. These are all different tools, like you're talking about the flathead and the screwdriver. And it's like, you got to just be honest with yourself about what is right for me. 
And even within plant medicines, you can then look at this many, many different plant medicines and in general, like different Ayurvedic herbs and teas and adaptogens through to kind of entheogens and ayahuasca and psilocybin and wachuma and stuff like that. So I, I think the wise man recognizes that there are tools available. And I think if you look at that from the, the evolution of kind of like Neanderthal through to like Stone Age and Bronze Age, if you can recognize the advancements of civilizations occurred because they were able to recognize that tools were available to them and they used those to build, to change their society. Mm. I, I think the invitation is to look at that we have these tools like meditation, plant medicine, channeling, spirit and being as this kind of like, okay, we have these tools available for us now. Like how do we go from our Rel- the, the the kind of the same level of us going from the stone age to the the bronze age how do we go from where we are now to i think it's to to, to the next level and and i think that the the wise civilization i think that the mature civilization once wounded masculine wounded feminine unite into that oneness and live in harmony look at how do we how do we integrate those tools into our society in a trauma-informed way that's going to actually help advance our civilization in the kind of like the this kind of war on drugs and things that we're still like living in and and plant medicines getting getting bundled into that it's like how do we take that stigma away and recognize that we don't need to lock people up? We don't need to have people in psych wards. And that's not to say that we should just let everyone run around and mock. I'm not saying that we should just let everyone out free. Please don't get me wrong. But the, the, my invitation is how do we start transforming that trauma? And it feels like there's so much available to us right now. I think we'd be silly not to use what resonates for us. And speaking of what resonates, this is going to be a sharp turn. But multiple times you've mentioned galactic beings and what came up in my Akashic record conversation the other day was, is, I don't know. I remember, I know I want to work with like the Akashic realm, the astral realm, the earth realm. And I think there was another one, but then right at the end, she brought up the galactic realm and I was like, okay, that really resonated with me. What's that? And she was like, oh, like, you know, galactic beings, the GFL aliens. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we're definitely putting that in my pathway. <laughs> Uh, so we added that. So let's start off with like, what is your history? Let me see where I want to start this. Maybe let's start off of what was your very first introduction to the idea of ETs? When were you very first, like, you know, exposed to the idea of extraterrestrials of beings that are, of would they be considered of third density on different planets? I mean, there are different beings that would be of third density on other planets, yet the beings that we interact with are usually of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh density, more often than not in the fifth, sixth density, seventh density realm. And now for everyone who's listening, recognizing that where we are on earth right now is the third density shifting into fourth density. So kind of like the density of being self or being isolated into unity consciousness. So then moving up the levels of density into kind of seeing timelines as seeing all timelines at once, having access to the remembrance as the intimate consciousness, not being behind the veil of illusion 
allowing us to then get access to this different levels of wisdom and then be able to use this, just like we talked about the tools from the Stone Age, using these tools as actually something that's going to advance our civilization. So that's the kind of channeling work that I do is in terms of, uh, of working with these beings. And that's what most channels do who are here in service to others is learning how to access different spirits and beings and things like this. So my, when you ask me what my first interaction or awareness of ETs or aliens would be, the first thing that comes up, my favorite band when I was growing up was Blink-182. I and love then them. if you know that song by Long, had like a- Aliens Exist. No. And I used to sing that song. Hey mom, there's something in the back room. I can't remember that. So that was like I subconsciously. I got to find that song. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but I didn't know that. That's amazing. So I, was, I wasn't expecting that, but that was like Blink-182, okay. my favorite band growing up. Tom DeLong, who's actually then become long since a a big proponent of disclosure, of, uh, of being asking governments to release uh, UFO files, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it wasn't something that was kind of like a, a big thing for me in life, my life, in my my rat race job, um, my kind of closed down consciousness, capitalism, like trying to get as much money as possible and be successful, et cetera, et cetera, what we've already talked about. So fast forward, fast forward to my first ayahuasca ceremony. When I, when I actually drank ayahuasca when I was in Berlin, living in Germany to heal addictions to heal addictions. And I've, I've talked about this many times before to my audience about healing of the addictions. I went in, I didn't even realize that drugs, I, I realized that I wanted to stop cocaine and other drugs. I didn't even recognize that alcohol and cigarettes were addiction. I was just like, I want to get rid of the hard drugs. Mm. And about about my third or fourth ceremony. And I get kind of emotional, just even feeling about it. I went into the ayahuasca retreat that I was there at. And one of my intentions alongside the addictions was to kind of like feel a little bit more of like, okay, what, what is out there? You know, what is, what is, what, you know, what's this all about? Is there life after death? My mother had died about a year before, which is one of my primary reasons for beginning to, uh, to investigate consciousness and meditation. So I was kind of like, not really a believer. I'd started getting to meditation, some sound healing. I'd started having some contact with my mother's spirit. Very, I wasn't really aware of it. I was freaked out to be honest. Um, but in this retreat setting, and, and bear in mind what I'm about to tell you, this is not how we run our retreats now. It wasn't in a ceremonial setting as much as it contained, but in the, re- in the retreat where I was, uh, I was actually outside in the garden, uh, talking to someone, looking up at the stars and I wasn't super in the medicine at that point. And I was looking at the stars and I was pondering, I was pondering, you know, kind of asking a question, if there's something out there more, please show me. I went and I had another cup of ayahuasca and went back down to my mat. And just, just a disclaimer, the ayahuasca ceremonies that we run, we run in a very con- contained trauma-informed space where the whole space is held shamanically. This was not that type of ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah when I went back down to my mat and I actually went back to the corner part of the room, which was actually in the dark. And as I was sat on this chair, this hand appeared to me in my mind's eye. And it was 
in my mind's eye that I could, I could kind of see this kind of hand and it was like, you know, kind of like three fingers or, or something like that. It wasn't a human hand. And the facilitators, they were talking about get outside of your mind, get outside of your mind. There was this whole thing, this preparation ceremony, which was really great. I remember, so I was like, get outside of my mind. And this hand then materialized in front of me. And it materialized, like semi-materialized, semi-physical kind of appeared in front of me. And I put my hand out into it and it touched it. And this energetic wave went all down my arm, when it gave me all this healing on my shoulder. And I, I, this is one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. I got transported out to like looking at the earth. And I could see, you know, if you like look at the pictures of the earth at night that has the lights where everything is connected, I could see that the energy of the earth that everything was connected. And I zoomed out and I zoomed out and I could see the whole solar system was connected. And I zoomed out even more and I could kind of feel like the whole universe connected. This is all happening rapid fire. And it, I'm not, it's be beyond the words. It's kind of like a whole knowing, a feeling, a sensation, an emotion. And I felt myself with these extraterrestrial beings that very clearly showed me pretty much the entire content of what we've shared today in the podcast of this is not your soul blueprint. The things that you're doing in your life are actually abandoning your true life path. You're here to do these other different things in life. You're here to, to heal and grow. The alcohol, the cigarettes, the drugs, are com- every time you're doing that, you're completely abandoning yourself. You're taking yourself away from what this is. And then it was showing me that I'd come and incarnated on earth to have a specific path, which I wasn't really fully aware of what it was, but it was just insinuating that there's more. Mm. And, and it felt like it was to do with healing. Uh, and, you know, I would say what's kind of manifested now where I am sitting now is a part of that journey. And it was incredible. The feeling of this love, feeling of everything I could see, I could just see so clearly everything I've been told, everything I've been told about capitalism, making money, doing my company, all these things that would make me happy. I could just know without a shadow of a doubt that they were a lie. And I, I could see that, that I was a prisoner of the construct of the earth and what the society made. And it was then after having this like deep, deep transmission and being there and I could feel myself wanting to vomit because part of the process of ayahuasca of purging can be vomiting. Mm. And I could feel myself wanting to vomit and I, cause I could feel it was so intense. Like it was like in an instant, everything you've been taught about your whole life is a lie. That's kind of like a lot to take. That's a lot. And it's not like, it's not like, you know, we've been kind of insinuating perhaps planting some seeds for people to be able to have their own direct experience in this podcast. And you've, you've been planting over numerous episodes to people to start away. And this is kind of like, this is kind of the power saw. This is, this is not making a chess figurine. You know, (laughs) this is, this is cutting through everything. And I was just there and these ETs were with me and they were so loving and so friendly and they were showing me all this stuff. And then eventually I just like, I couldn't take it anymore. And I kind of like came back to the room and I keeled over on the floor and I threw up into a bucket and it just felt like, you know, when Neo's in the matrix in the first time, yeah. he's like, this is, you know, I want out, I want out. And it was just like that. And it was like, oh my God. And in that instant, I he's was going like, to part. Go he's going to part. <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I, can't yeah I, remember. I was like, well, I can't go back. You can't go back. I stopped. Oh, stop smoking, stop drinking, stop everything that night, instantaneously. Incredible. And then, and then, 
within a month later, I closed my business. I was in India studying yoga and Reiki in Nepal as well. And then I moved my way to Peru and I went and studied in the Amazonian rainforest where I then continued to study and then met my wife and then was hosting and facilitating now running retreats and built our business in service to all, which was kind of like the premonition from that, that all came through, through that ability to then say, step into my truth, which is one of the most absolutely scariest things I've ever done. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, there's so much to touch on there. I think I'm going to touch on what we started this with though, is the getting back to the aliens. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like that's, and uh, that's a conversation that's becoming a lot more prevalent in today's society, especially recently feels like, I don't know if you saw, but whenever there was like, er, Oh, you're not on, you're not on, um, on uh, social media, but there was a video circulating around. And whenever the blood moon happened recently, not the blood moon, but there was the eclipse that happened the eclipse that happened most recently, a lot of people recording the eclipse. There was a shadow, like it had to have been huge, right? Like, I mean, it was small on the moon, but for us to see it, this shadow, right? This item had to have been, oh man, I guess, let me try to think. It would have been relative size would have probably been like the size of probably Argent. The shadow size of it was like probably the size of Argentina relative to the earth, right? So if, this was on the moon. Maybe it was the size of like Delaware or something, but this shadow, which was on the moon, but it probably looked like, you know, a dime that was just going across the moon. And so, and so, yeah. And a lot of people caught this on camera. And so it was circulating throughout like TikTok of, you know, this little shadow that kind of just made this quick zip across, you know, the moon on, you know, during this eclipse or whatever it was called. Um, so maybe that's a big reason why I'm getting called to bring this up because I've been wanting to talk about aliens and galactic beings and everything on this podcast, but it hasn't it, even talking with people and it just hasn't come into the conversation. I'm like, Oh, maybe it's just not time yet. So hell yeah, maybe it's time. <laughs> um, so do you know what the beings were that you interacted with? Cause I know there's a whole plethora of beings and galactic entities that are out there. Do you know what um, category, I guess these would have been that you were talking with? in this in this instance first thing that comes up with it it was syrian assyrian and orion beings now what's been really interesting for me is part of my my life and my work working as a channel so working as a channel is in similar things to what clayton's been saying about accessing the akashic records speaking with spirit and and part of channeling can be working with extraterrestrial beings or galactic beings as i call them because it just kind of, uh, galactic beings and cosmic friends galactic friends <laughs> cosmic beings it kind of has more of a more of a endearing relationship name or than than aliens but whatever whatever word you want to whatever word you want to give that I've spent a lot of my time and work professionally channeling these different entities and beings to help people heal and evolve. Now, the cool thing was that it wasn't until probably a couple of years after that first experience that I started actually channeling beings like consciously and then started doing it professionally. But what was like super awesome 
was that when that, when I started doing that, after a few months of doing that, I had this experience where I remembered I got took back to the ayahuasca ceremony and it was kind of like, see, this is part of the work that we were telling you. So it was those mm. beings that I'm now channeling that had kind of come through as part of that awakening process through the soul contract to help me, to help me step in. So I also work with Arcturian beings, Syrian, Orion, I did a lot of work and do a lot of work with the Palladian beings. Those are kind of some of like the more well-known, <laughs> the word celebrity comes forth, like the celebrity ETs <laughs> in the kind of like community that are kind of well-known from star systems and quite got a quite intensely beautiful relationship with planet Earth and how people heal and evolve. But there's also different extraterrestrial beings that are working with Earth that perhaps I don't know the names of or that have not presented their names or it's not been important. But then when you say like Palladian, there's also different soul groups within those different extraterrestrial races that are working with each other. So the first thing to recognize is that everyone has their own spirit team, whether you're aware of it or not, everyone has their own spirit team where people or angels, guides, beings, energies are working to help people on planet earth. Now you don't have to believe that my argument would be that, if we're doing this alone, it's just pretty, pretty messed up because we need some help. We need some help. So in my experience, these beings, whether you're consciously aware of them or not, are assisting and helping. Now, this is not to freak anyone out. This doesn't mean you have free will. You're not necessarily need to be communicating with extraterrestrials, galactic beings, etc. If you don't feel like that's a part of your consciousness evolution, just like Clayton's mom doesn't want to do a Kashuk record reading. No one's going to force her to do that. But if someone finds that exciting, like Clayton does, then and are all for it, then you can start inviting that into your life. So if you want to start having more contact with your galactic beings or friends, you can start beginning to put that intention out now. In my highest good healing and evolution, please become more present in my life. And that was a big part of me putting that prayer out in many different ayahuasca ceremonies, in many different meditations, in many different prayers. I was like, I really want to connect with you. I really want to connect with you. I really want to connect with you. And then over a period of time, then that started becoming more conscious awareness. And now one of my first awarenesses of channeling actually started coming through from watching Daryl Anker, who is the channel of Bashar, who is a very well-known channel of uh, an extraterrestrial being called Bashar, who is, who's got this great, great content out there. You can go and check it out. Mm. Loads and loads of content on helping humanity heal and evolve. Okay. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's just like, okay, guys, everyone out there, we are on earth, on planet earth in a solar system. Just look out at the stars in the sky. You think we're alone in that? Just ask that, you know, what's the probability of that, you know? I mean, I have a pretty aware audience. I think um, I, I think they'll be pretty open to what you're saying. So I don't. <laughs> we don't really need to dive into convincing them. And honestly, if you have to convince them, it's not for them, right? So I can see there's also this level of me where I, I see it as like, you know, people aren't going to find this material if they're not looking for it. Like if you're looking for this episode, you'll find it right. If you're like looking for aliens, like, and you're trying to become more aware, you'll find this episode. Um, I don't know, but that's kind of the way I look at it. And though, even to kind of articulate what I found interesting is like, you're saying how you have to, act, if you're looking for it, it's going to find it. Right. And maybe this even comes back to what even you were just saying with, you know, if you're, if you are looking for the information to expand your mind and to ask the question of what is out there, well, then they probably found this podcast episode. That's why they're hearing these words. It's like, 
you know, nobody that's trapped in this place of fear or angst or um, it's still at a third density level is going to find this information. And if they do, they're not going to be open to it. Um, but even more so, I mean, think about how your ayahuasca situation started. You literally were asking like, Hey guys, if there's anybody out there amongst the stars, like hit me up, like I'm here. I'm, I want to know. And sure enough, after your second cup, you had an alien hand come up to you and was like, Hey man, like you asked, we've arrived. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that it's, it's beautiful that when we start to, to ride that wave of consciousness, when we start to kind of like surf those synchronicities and, you know, you don't have to have loads of synchronicities where to, to, to be expanding, but whatever it is, that wave of consciousness expansion that comes through. And then when we start putting our faith in the mystical, in the magical, which I think is the antidote to the mundane world that we've been told exists. When we start to kind of move towards that beauty, that magic, like I I did not know what I was going to get myself into, you know, and it was a great, great experience for me. But I think it's just like when we can start putting our faith in those things that excite us in those mystical, magical realms, the more that, that we can consciously begin to use them in our own manifestation of a life that we prefer mm. i mean it's really reminding me of the whole you know asking you shall receive thing you know if you want something mm-hmm. all you have to do is ask for it and yeah kind of losing my train of thought here so what so i guess like if we bring it back to present day you know what what are like are there common themes that the aliens you interact with like give you is there you know i mean i guess they're really the main question that majority of people would ask is like well if they're out there and have all this information you know like why aren't they why aren't they helping out i, I kind of say it tongue-in-cheek because i feel like i know the answer but i'd love to hear you know if you've asked those questions what your articulation what your experience is with questions of that nature where it's like you know here are all these beings that have this higher level density of understanding it's like well why don't you just come down to earth and fix all the world's problems mm-hmm. well first thing i would say and it kind of feels like the energy that wants to be shared is through listening to this podcast tonight when you go to sleep put an intention out with the information that you received that may have opened a little bit of the blinkers put an invitation to connect with your higher self and your spirit team and your galactic friends in your sleep tonight for your highest good pay attention to your dreams one of the first ways that extraterrestrial contact will happen with people is in the dream state. One, because our consciousness, our, our kind of conscious mind is more in the backseat. So we're more open and aware of that and that we can receive and have those kind of dreamlike experiences. Because if an ET came down in the room in front of you right now, chances are 99% of us would be absolutely scared. <laughs> if someone just an ET, just like, even if you think you're ready, even if you think you're ready, there's, there's a certain energy to that that is not possible for the human mind, body, spirit complex to assimilate. It would be too much. It would be kind of like the chainsaw when you need the kind of little, the mm. little file to make. That. So firstly is recognizing that even if you're like, okay, I'm ready for that. There is a preparation. There's a preparation for ET contact. 
which is making yourself more aware to spiritual content, doing meditation, become more, listen to more podcasts like this, listen to the channeling videos, beginning to channel yourself. And that prepares yourself to be able to receive that. Because even when I first started channeling, like even though I was super excited about it and I'd read books and I'd watch videos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I was still scared. And, you know, I had a few experiences when I was in the jungle after ceremony connecting with uh, different beings and also in a psilocybin ceremony that we we did when we were in Guatemala, my wife and I, when when those beings first come to you, there's like an excitement and there's an also a fear because here's the other thing that you need to recognize or would be beneficial to recognize is there's so much propaganda and negative propaganda mm. within the mainstream media that is actually out to create a negative viewpoint of extraterrestrial beings. And you can look at this from films from like the 1940s, 1950s. You look at Independence Day. Yeah. You don't need to go on Amazon Prime, whatever it is. You need to see that pretty much most sci-fi films are coming about ETs coming to destroy the Earth. Whoa. Where's that implanted? That's implanted to create the negative stereotype. I was just going to say, I, I yeah, I just kind of had that epiphany as you were saying that. It's like... You know, it's they're really there for to aid us to be in our highest good. And if we want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, it's like, well, why would wow. Huh. That's really fascinating because if you go down the rabbit hole of how do you keep people closed off from believing that they have this ability to connect with higher beings, with higher power, like God, for instance, like I saw a huge thing with the church. It was, you know, I saw with the church, it was like this huge belief system where let's cut you off from believing that you can't get to heaven. You don't get to talk to God. We'll talk to God for you. So you have to put all your belief in us. And now you can see it with the entertainment industry. You can see it with government. Even it's like, we don't want you to believe that you have this ability to talk or to connect with these higher entity aliens. It's like, we're going to tell you what you're allowed to know. You know, we're going to let you believe that, you know, that there have been instances of abductions and they're experimenting on humans and, and maybe that's happened. I don't know, but you know, I, I've heard mixed things, but not, maybe it's not bad experiments. Maybe it's more positive experiments. And it's really interesting that you bring that up because of all of the propaganda that we do have. Right. It's, and, and what's really fascinating maybe is like, I'm thinking of the movie ET with, uh, you know, the kids movie that was back in the day where this kid finds the, you know, the ET, but then I think, and, and I'm having a hard time remembering, but I think like they, he basically hide him because like if the normal person were to have found that ET, they would have been freaked out and probably killed him. You know, it's because, there's that belief of that has been instilled at us from a societal standpoint that then makes us afraid to even become in contact with things that <laughs> ironically could have our highest interest at heart. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's the thing is if you want to separate people further and further, then you create more and more layers of fear. Mm. So, you can take that, you know, the word conspiracy gets thrown around. And I think in many ways, things get labeled as a conspiracy because it automatically decredits them. So it's like, okay, we label things as a conspiracy. But you can see straight away that you don't have to be, just look at the facts of how many, how many sci-fi movies are depicted 
with ETs coming to the Earth to destroy it and there being a fight. You, you, it's like you've got Star Trek, which is kind of like the other side of it. But like the majority, and I'm not saying all, but like the majority of those movies are out there to create that picture and that view. The question again is like, why is that? Why is there such a disproportionate like end of world scenario with extraterrestrial beings? And you can watch Stephen Greer documentary, Stephen Greer being one, uh, one of the main proponents of disclosure who has interviews with many, many different people in governments and other things like that. You can go down that rabbit hole and go down into that, looking into that and kind of all the censorship that happens, but right from right here and now just, enough is just to recognize okay i can see that there's a disproportionate negative viewpoint of extraterrestrial beings in the mainstream media mm. now from my viewpoint from from the viewpoint here it's to create separation because the power structures on this planet are crumbling mm-hmm. you can just look at like that's that's how i feel that's that what the energy feels like that they're crumbling and that coming into conscious awareness of extraterrestrial life of intelligent life of other beings of multidimensional beings here to assist and help us once that belief becomes mainstay you know the the kind of it's over chains and shackles of capitalism and the way that the system and society is run where there's poverty hard poverty hunger starvation the resources of the planet there's pollution all these things it's like when people actually realize that, that it's like okay there are extraterrestrial intelligent life that's helping us then Th- th- then those things can't stay. Those things, they're, they're not going to be in the in the way. So the powers that will be will do everything to kind of keep that, on mm. the, this, um, keep that in the dark so that the power systems on the planet Earth can maintain themselves. So that's one of the main reasons. But I think another question you asked is what what is the, what is the, one of the main messages of, the extraterrestrial beings and it, it always comes back and it comes here now and I can feel it strong is that, that that everything is available with inside you. Everything that you need is available with inside you, which again is is not in alignment with the narrative of you need to go to Walmart and buy this, that, and the other. You need to go, and of course there's things that we need physically, but there's, you need to go this, that, and the other. You need this government for this, that, and the other. You right. need this, that, and the other. As you were saying, having those buffers in like the church, having someone to talk to God for you, like the, the, the dissolution of those power structures, those ideas is, is a part of the transition from third to fourth density. Right. And that unconditional is the heart of it all, that we're all interconnected. And the more that we can believe in that, the more that we can pursue the pursuit of that unconditional love, the more that those things that are out of alignment that will dissolve. I love that. And because to wrap this all back in, right, my question was, is, you know, and, and, and I guess I, did I kind of, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking of it this way, but it makes sense now where the question was, is, you know, if, uh, if there are these aliens that are able to help us ascend into our higher purpose, why aren't they here? Well, it's it, the question. It, it's so funny because your answer kind of negates the question almost. And I love whenever that happens where it's, it's like, well, the realization is that you don't, we don't need the aliens. We don't need the aliens to essentially, create prosperity or harmony or peace on earth. And it, it, there's this level of almost like, like they're here, they're there. Like you were saying with the spirit team, they're there to help us whenever we ask for the help. But at the end of the day, it's almost more empowering if we as humans are able to come to that place as a whole and be like, wait, hold on. Let's, let's create all this and make it happen without them. And then once and ever, once we achieve that, then they'll come in and be like, okay, like, 
all right, you guys are ready to join the Galactic Federation. Like, let's let's show you what's actually happening. Like, you figured it out. Like, you figured out as a society how to actually progress to fourth density or fifth density or whatever the next density that we actually needed to get to in order to expose ourselves to the Galactic Federation and to elevate our collective consciousness as humans. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I agree with that. And that, wow. that feels true. But then for everyone out there who's like, oh, why isn't everyone helping us now? It's like, I would say categorically that there is help here now. It's just not, it's just not on the front page of the papers. Like one thing that keeps coming up to share about is in some of these different Stephen Greer documentaries, and you can go and see these and interviews with people from military personnel, that nuclear nuclear weapons have been disarmed by yes. disarmed by yes. extraterrestrials. So these nuclear plants, so for kind of like the catastrophic all-out war, those those arms have been disabled by people. It's kind of like, you know, you'd let kind of like a kid play in a sand pit, but if it gets too dangerous, you're going to be like, Hey, you know, you kind of, you need to like not be there. So it feels to me, at least from my belief and consciousness, the way that we're going in this version of planet earth, that we're, that we're moving through to a point where the kind of catastrophic end of days time thing is like, we've moved past that. We've kind of moved past that threshold. And I know, I know that like, even right now, there's even talk about the nuclear war and other things like that, that kind of arising and kind of threats and stuff like that. Personally, I feel like we've got too much help here that will, that will prevent something like that catastrophic from happening. Of course, I don't know, have all the answers, but I, I feel a trust in, in the fact that we have that help and that support that are helping us move through. But at the same time, you wouldn't do a kid's homework for them because they wouldn't learn the lessons of why they were going to that school. So there's right. that, there's that, like enough rope there like on the leash to kind of let us roam around to kind of experience what we're here to experience and of course as we make mistakes and other things and perhaps don't make the best choices for ourselves and you know like we were talking about before from different lives and have an opportunity to take a different view going forward but i i really feel that trust in in the help that we have from these different beings that whether we're aware of it or not whether whether we're they're consciously in our in our faces, I, I absolutely trust the synchronicities that arrive in our lives are through through different help from different guides and beings from our higher self from multidimensional consciousnesses. So the interesting thing again is is kind of like on that inquiry is to the listeners out there is if you're getting excited by this type of conversation that we're having here today and you want to invite more of that magic into your life, just begin to put it out there. I'm open to it. Well, and even to wrap that or to even bring that in right yesterday, you know, I've kind of had this like loose base of like, I want to talk to aliens. I want to talk to the intergalactic beings. And then even yesterday, it's funny because I didn't initially put that in my pathway to open my channel and it was like right at the end, whenever I think she was telling me her pathway and she mentioned galactic beings. And I was like, wait a second, what's wait, what's galactic beings? And she's like, oh, well, you know, like ETs and whatnot. <laughs> and it's like, wait, 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 I, I want that a part of my pathway, you know? And so then I, you know, was able to add that into mine. And so then it's by no coincidence that this conversation is being had. The idea of aliens and everything is unwinding is finally coming to fruition on the traveling to consciousness podcast. The day after me actually holding this conversation and saying, 
I want galactic beings to be a part of my pathway. And now we see it manifesting actually into the podcast where it's like, all right, you're ready to talk about them. You know what I mean? Like, like, because it's been so wild to me how this subculture subculture, this sub idea of, and I guess you can hear the excitement in my voice. I'm trying to keep my shit together, but (laughs) um, there've been so many other podcasts where it's like kind of loosely came up or it's never really been fully discussed, but now we're finally diving into it on this one. And I just, because you know, and the to tie in a pat, I'm getting a little overworked, I think right now, and hopefully it's not going to deteriorate this podcast. Uh, we got it. Um, because the idea of, you know, I've always known that alien crafts were always seen over top of, uh, were always seen over top of nuclear sites. And that was something that actually came up on a previous podcast where, you know, this lady was telling me about how she has seen alien ships and whatnot. And I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm no longer worried about nuclear war. Like every time these wars happen, a thing that they do, the powers that be is bring up how we could go to nuclear war and it'd be the end of days. And it's like, you know, that's another fear tactic, which I no longer buy into because there's been plenty of discussion of air force pilots talking about how aircrafts quote unquote UFOs have interfered with weapons being shot off or tested and disarm them essentially. And furthermore, I remember in the most recent disclosure hearing that they had, somebody asked about reports that 19, I think 19 or 20 nuclear missiles were disarmed and that missiles are constantly disarmed. Like, are you able to talk on that? And they gave some, one of their bullshit run around like, Oh, like we're not really sure that information doesn't really fall under our category. You know, some blah, 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 bullshit excuse, which actually highlights the fact that, there are aliens disarming weapons of mass destruction in order to make sure that, you know, like you said, we've hit this threshold. We've hit this threshold of getting past whether it was what the Atlanteans weren't able to do. And I'm not really sure the whole fallout there. And maybe you have some channeled information about that where I was of the mindset that what happened with them was that they had, you know, some injuncture with, you know, whatever it was. And then they, toppled because of the inability to get past a certain stage in evolution that got them to this jumping off off point. And so I believe, and I think what you're saying has honestly validated this, that we actually have crossed the consciousness threshold of we've crossed the consciousness threshold where enough people are talking about these things where, you know, it's like, it's inevitable almost it's like aliens have recognized it and now they're protecting us from ourselves where enough of us have seen the other side of it. And they're like, okay, we have to preserve this manifestation of humans because they're going to discover it. If these hand just to protect them from a handful of people who are still operating from this fear based mentality where they actually want to perpetuate trauma on the rest of society and keep them down in this lower vibrational frequency. But I guess the core message is, is that our frequency has risen to a high enough level where aliens are like, are interfering, are interfering, interfering with malevolence that people are carrying out on the rest of humanity. Yeah. I, 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 I think that we, we have passed the threshold in terms of uh, preventing nuclear war in, in that sense. I also feel like the, the transformation that we're going through on the earth right now, you know, we've had the pandemic, 
you know we've now got the ukraine russia war that's that, that's coming up and there's kind of inflation and there's other things and you know it's it's quite a lot of pressure in, in many different places that's it's kind of like you know that 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 analogy of the the carbon being pressurized into the diamond so it's kind of that feeling that we're going through that point I think it's great to have that kind of feeling and knowing that we have the help that's available that's going to kind of prevent all-out nuclear war, as we have, we've ascertained in our viewpoints and beliefs. But I don't think that it it gives us an excuse to bypass our own personal blueprint of evolution, which is which is synchronous and absolutely in time with our own recognition of where we've been out of alignment with ourselves. And then coming into the truth of who we are through the transformation of trauma and, and, and our individual responsibility to changing our own world. Mm. Now, what comes up quite a lot for me is the idea that we need to save the world. Now, I used to feel like that when I used to run my recruitment company, which is a renewable energy recruitment company. And that was kind of a big step in for me in terms of stepping into kind of feeling a little bit more caring for outside of myself. But there was also this feeling of, and I, and I think this happens sometimes, there's this, there's this feeling of a complete burden of, I have to save the world. I mean, that is a burden. And again, that doesn't mean like, not saying that you shouldn't take action you know compost recycle do whatever you want to do for the the environment whatever feels true but it's like this idea that i wish to present is it's the it's the transformation of the individuated consciousness that transforms the world it's like you don't have to transform the world you only need to transform yourself and then that will then start showing up in your reality it's a big thing that's come up for me when when the war started happening when in my own meditations of kind of sending out prayers, calling on beings, you're just saying like, you know, help what, you know, please peace on earth. What I could see was the reflection of straight away in my meditations and my own channelings was where in your own being are you in conflict? Mm. Where in your own mind are you conflicted? Where in your own relationships with your actual neighbors who are next but nearby you, where are you having those arguments where are you out of alignment where is that unconditional love lacking in your immediate vicinity and i could see that and i had this feeling of like oh my gosh if i can't get on with my neighbor about a dog or something like that if i'm having a conflict with people in my direct vicinity i was just i felt like this great despair of like oh my gosh you know this war on on some level is a is a reflection of the consciousness transformation so I invite everyone, and again, this is just my own perspective. If you don't feel it, like leave it by the wayside. Anything I say, I always say this to people, if, if it doesn't resonate, just leave it. But I think there's an invitation for us to see in that where the conflict is in our own life and begin to heal that. And I argue that that would have the biggest effect upon peace on earth. 100%. I mean, yeah. I'm all for the idea of if something doesn't resonate, leave for you. But I've never heard anyone disagree with that. That's something that <laughs> I believe, I believe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, feel free to shoot me a message if I'm wrong here, but I believe that that's actually a universal truth of if there's something wrong in the world, it's like, how are you creating that within your own world? 
and I also want to point out that I think it's a, a beautiful, I, I guess it's probably seen as spiritual bypassing is the term I've heard before of, you know, what I may be, maybe my, <laughs> my ecstatic rant was starting to manifest, which was this idea of, oh, well, we're all good and don't need to do anything because the way that I was talking, which completely kudos to you for bringing me back, <laughs> was of this light of, oh, well, we've already hit that threshold. We don't need to worry about anything. The aliens got us. We're safe. And and I mean, I, I, and I can definitely see the error, <laughs> not the error, but I can see how that's a slippery slope to take us all the way back to where maybe takes us back several hundred years. Because you're totally right. Like I, I, I completely agree that just because we've hit this point of let's call it alien protection point, <laughs> APP, <laughs> um, it doesn't negate us. It's not like I can wake up tomorrow and no longer do any of the work that I've discussed of healing the integrated mask or healing the wounded masculine, healing you know these issues of always telling the truth, healing these issues that I've had with bullies, you know, all this stuff that we've talked about in regards to the soul blueprint. So, you know, I kudos to you for also acknowledging that that's not something that we can overlook just because we can see this galactic protection around us. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's all, I think it's all valid. I think it all interweaves and, and there's so much of what you shared there and summarized that I think interweaves in and out of each day uh, on the level of relevance of it, on the viewpoint that you take and this, this keys to take away from the kind of feeling like, oh, you know, like we say, like the feeling of like, okay, we're not alone. And then the feeling of like, actually, we want to work through this ourselves, like the kind of combination of that, the empowerment of that. One of my big journeys when I kind of had this initial, this initial, um, I would say encounter with extraterrestrial beings and the kind of like the thrill and the excitement of that, which was like a, a rocket ship for me on my own evolution. That was like, that was like the gateway. I know you talked about different paths with your, with your teacher in the Akashic records, like different parts of the path. That for me was like an absolute portal opener of something that absolutely grabbed my excitement. It was so out there. It was so interesting that I was like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And I, you know, that led me, that led me to being tenacious in, in in my development of learning to channel and then subsequently teaching other people along that path and that journey. I've had a very, you know, we, we built a house in the jungle one time <laughs> as you do, <laughs> but like we, we built a house, house in the jungle when we were, when we were living in a in the Amazon, we were going to move in there. And we, we ended up didn't, we didn't move into that. It was a long project, but we, we ended up giving the giving the house to the community and it just it was after the pandemic we decided we don't want to live in the jungle we were doing a lot more online work and we felt like we could reach more people by being online doing our podcasts and our online work etc cetera, etc cetera, and like living in the valley uh, the sacred valley where we live now where it's a little bit more um accessible uh, and it's also really good for people who come and work with us because it's it's it don't have to go out into the isolation of the jungle to to have those experiences but the point of what i'm saying is when we built that house my wife and i we were we were so excited that when we were so isolated in the jungle we were so excited that we were going to get more physical uh et contact mm. and we were so so excited and we were so excited and it was in all the intentions of building that house but what happened for us along the way 
is the more and more that we continue to develop the the spiritual telepathic energetic metaphysical connection with our galactic friends and and spiritual family we recognize we didn't need the physical contact the physical contact was an excitement that brought us to recognize that et contact disclosure is here and now you don't have to wait 10 15 20 30 40 years or whenever it is that ets come down and are like yeah we're here we've been helping you the invitation and i can feel it from everyone is like we're here now Mm. like if you want direct access available to each and everyone individually and, and and that's what we teach in our learn to channel courses that's what we teach in our intuitive mentorship courses is teaching people how to access that here and now how it's available here and now so the physical can be a distraction the physical like gotcha. like like just like the world that just like the world like we have and everyone can relate to that how the physical reality can be the distraction from the inner work you can recognize on some level that this idea of physical et contact is actually missing the message in my experience that the et contact the kind of what you described about the 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 ships going past the moon and stuff like that that for me is like a like a smoke signal or a flare that basically says we're here but like what's the message what's the point of that right so if everyone's like okay we just need to keep investigating and again perfectly valid path for actually recognizing and to out all the ufo researchers and all these things absolutely fantastic very valid work very important work but the invitation that i'm saying out to this audience which i can feel already already knows this to be true is like if it's available to me here and now why wouldn't i do that and if i can start you know you can look at you can look at a video of an extraterrestrial footage and you can be like okay great this means that there's life out in the universe and I think from what we've been speaking about, probably 80, 90% plus people listen to this are already like, yeah, we already get that. What are you want about? Let's like, <laughs> let's use that. Use these tools to go from the, from the stone age to the bronze age met- metaphorically. So then we can start actually interacting with these conscious civilizations that are here that in many senses. So if we talked about fourth, fifth density, sixth density beings and the awareness of the intelligence, just like the Akashic records is just a similar way of accessing information. It's just a different face of God face of the universe whatever you want to call it that these civilizations these energies these beings have been through the mistakes that we've been through and are able to impart the knowledge that can help accelerate and catalyze and quantum leap our civilization to the one that we actually want to be now where it kind of gets trippy and i can feel this and i go into it is that then you look at different multiple timelines and versions of earth which will arise based upon the choices that we make so just like just like I kind of talked about before of when I was when I was bullied and I decided to hit that person that took me down a route for 5 6 years of nearly getting killed being bullied living in fear whereas if like say 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 my grandparent was an ET in that situation and showed me a kind of more conscious path to resolve that not to get involved, showed me, don't get involved. Nothing's going to happen in a week. It's all going to pass. I could have had a different trajectory. Mm. So what, what the invitation from our galactic friends and being is, is to begin to consciously choose the reality that you want to be in. Now, what that means and the message that's coming through, what that means is be in alignment with yourself. Like the whole theme of what we've been talking about is choose that joy, that passion that's something that feels again it's not about right or wrong it's about what feels in alignment what feels true 
And you can know that feeling and everyone knows that feeling when you feel in alignment. It's something that can't be fully described. It's like, that feels true. That feels in alignment. Right. Beginning to follow and trust that. And what the recognition is in terms of whether a war happens, whether whether there's conflict, whether there's a famine, whether the earth goes down one way, what you can what you can on it, and this is kind of like where the fear might come in into to kind of human existence. What is what is almost a guarantee is that if you keep choosing yourself into alignment to the best of your ability, you will live the incarnation and life that you came here to live. That might not be the one where you live to a hundred years old and do this, that, and the other and have the company and all these other things. But the invitation is to, and this is where the trusting of the universe comes in is if you continue to trust, become more aware of what your alignment is and choose that you can almost guarantee that you're choosing a higher version of yourself. Now it might not be the enlightened version of yourself coming back to the other analogy that they want to share about is when you shared about just getting in the car, that choosing that choosing that higher alignment, the choosing that the most aligned version of yourself is like getting in the car. You don't know where that's going. And then you're in the car and you get to the crossroads and then you choose another aligned version of yourself. But here's the thing to not spread fear. If you go down a road and then you take a right and you're actually like, actually, I feel less aligned. You know, you can always reverse back up and take the other direction. Mm. And then with that knowledge, you'll get better and better of choosing your alignment. And, and and part of that choosing the alignment, sometimes tying in all what's been shared about the past lives is sometimes you have to choose something that's out of alignment to recognize what your alignment is, to give yourself as a reflection point. So then we can start using that knowledge that we've accumulated from these many different lives to start thinking to myself, how can I radically choose my most aligned life here now and trust that that's the only decision that I have to make and allow everything else to unfold, release control having no expectation of what it might be. So let's tie this into the, I love it. And where my mind's going is like the idea of alignment, right? Because now the question becomes is that theoretically speaking, we want to be aligned at every single moment in time so that we can get to our destination quicker, right? So theoretically speaking, let's use the analogy of the car driving from New York to Peru, right? Is it, so if, if my end goal is to get to Peru, which is hypothetically speaking in my actual being the metaphor for Peru being the metaphysical representation of, you know, um, having a, have, you know, having one of the greatest podcasts of all time, uh, you know, having, having a dog being, having a wife, having kids living all over the world, you know, that being my metaphorical representation of Peru. For me personally, like those are some of my goals. Obviously, I've got a shit ton of other ones, but we'll just <laughs> say all of those are just in Peru. And I'm currently in New York, right? Based on what you're kind of illustrating is that even if I somehow end up all the way in California, which is, you know, obviously on the West Coast, not the direct route to Peru, because I was out of alignment for some choices that ended up in California. I'm st- I still have access to get to Peru. I still have access to get to my higher self. I just need to find my alignment and the universe will, <clears throat> excuse me. The universe will reorientate itself to show me the route from California to Peru. Is that kind of an illustration of how you're, you know, depicting this? I think I would talk more about that that illustration. I, I like where you're going with it. I think 
to add on to what you're saying, the, the important part of that process is to release the necessity for Peru to be your destination. You could have Peru as the intention, but it could have somehow taken you to California. And that mm. was actually turns out to be the most aligned thing for you. At the time. So, yeah. And I'll just use a travel, the traveling idea for me is that I thought I was going to go back to India and, and travel India by motorcycle. And that was like what my excitement was. And I've actually found myself in Peru and Peru actually feels like it's more of alignment, but originally it felt like India. So if I was like adamant of it being India and I was like, no, no, it's India. I set out to go to India. I went to India and then, then I, I was going to go back to, I was going to go back to India when I planned to do studying in the, in the rainforest, I planned to come straight back to, to India by a motorcycle and travel. I put my seatbelt on, on the plane and I was like, I'm not coming back. And I was like, what the, this is going to be a great motorcycle journey. <laughs> and I, was just, I, felt that I knew it. And I was like, what is that about? I was like, no, I'm coming back. I'm not coming back. That was like six years ago. Uh, Subsequently, I met my wife. Subsequently, I've healed absolutely countless levels and layers of trauma, living more free than I've ever felt it was possible and have our business Casa Galactica and live my life in out alignment in service to all. And then I got a motorcycle. I was like, this is awesome. And when I got on the motorcycle the first time a couple of years ago here, when we, when we bought one and we traveled around a load, I was like, this is the experience that I was looking for in India was the traveling of the motorcycle mm. through traveling through the Andean mountains. is like, just like life changing experiences. But the point coming back to that analogy was that if I was, if I was stuck and focused and been like my intention when I got in the car was to go, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going, I'm going to India. I wouldn't have ended up here and I wouldn't have had all those aforementioned things. So, so I think that what the powerful process of that following that breadcrumb Again, have we talked about from the idea, if I was, if I was just like focused on, no, I want to have more and more physical contact with ETs, then I wouldn't have started my channeling business. I wouldn't have been able to help all the people I've been able to help with that because I wouldn't have been driven to allow that to shift and change into actually the metaphysical contact with extraterrestrials. If I was so adamant on it being physical contact and did everything and became like a UFO researcher and doing all these and researching the physical phenomenon. I probably would have missed out those interactions, which were only available to me because I wasn't focused on the physical. Gotcha. So to summarize that, whatever journey that you're going on, do you, do you, I don't know if you remember this, the movie Heat. Do, do you remember? Do you remember the movie Sounds Heat familiar. with Robert De Niro? Sounds familiar. Remind me. It's, there's a line in there's a line in the movie Heat where he's he's kind of a, like a, a bank robber, and there's a line where basically he's like, "You have to be ready to to let go and pack up your whole life in ten minutes," and he he has to be ready to like let go. And I think that, that that comes up, and it's like obviously you don't need to like let go of your life in ten minutes, but the idea is is like if those friends, those work, the job, the relationships, the things that you're doing, the food that you're eating, the media that you're consuming, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are no longer in alignment. Are you prepared to let it go because you know something else is there? It's like, are you ready to let that go? Wow. So that's 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 the powerful stuff. And it doesn't mean that you need to let go of, you know, some relationships can work out, some jobs can be improved. But like, are you ready to let go of the parts of that that are no longer serving you? So I think that any journey that you're taking out, if you're getting in a car now, I can imagine someone's just like packing their bags and be like, they talked about this journey from New York to Peru. I'm just going to do it. So if any of you that outside in your car there, just be prepared that like, the best thing that you can do for yourself is follow your excitement about that journey. But those breadcrumbs that are taking you there 
don't become obsessed with the destination because the destination may just be a stepping stone. It may just be another breadcrumb, uh, but the excitement about you going to a certain destination had to arise because that's the only thing that could communicate with your soul to illuminate the fact that you wanted to move. And then when you get there, allow that to change. Don't be so focused on the outcome because if you become focused on the outcome, you risk abandoning yourself once again. Oh, a lot of that resonated. A lot of that resonated. And so to summarize, you know, you're in New York, you think all that you want is in Peru. And the only reason that you're thinking it's Peru is because that's the only way that you could get that jolt through your body in order to get out of your front door in New York. Yet as you're traveling down to Peru, you hit Texas and something in Texas says, you need to go to California. You need to go to California. You're like, fuck. All right. Well, I think I'm going to Peru, but let's go to California first. I mean, I can always go back to Peru later. You end up in California and you're like, oh shit, it's like nice here. Like this is everything I was looking for. Anyhow, like this is everything and more than I thought Peru was going to be. And so you end up in California. Is that maybe a more accurate way of illustrating what you're saying? I think that's a beautiful, beautiful summary. I think I have nothing to add to that. I think that. (laughs) That summarizes it pretty great. Cool. And then I I have a feeling we're coming up on time. I just, I can feel like there's a little bit of a pool, but a question I do want to inject and we'll see how deep this rabbit hole goes. Maybe it's a short answer. Maybe we dive into it for a long, but whenever you're contacting galactic beings, is it normally just like one or two like beings? Is it like a cluster of beings? Is it random who you come into contact with? What does that kind of look like? Yeah. So there's, there's things called collective consciousness or collectives, where there's a group of beings or soul groups of beings that will tele- telepathically communicate or in different ways communicate with their same thoughts, the same mind, the one mind. Now, the kind of the analogy of that without the negative connotations is you kind of think of like the Borg from from star trek without the kind of like desire to assimilate everyone it's a kind mm-hmm. of like friendly borg you can think of that as a collective consciousness so that there's kind of one mind there's one thought there's everyone doing the same thing so that that collective consciousness can communicate in that way now within those within those collective consciousness again depending on which different type of being that you connect with there's some beings that are physical semi-physical non-physical and within that there's individuated consciousnesses like you can think more of like human beings so you can kind of feel like that there's kind of like an individuation between us speaking here between you listening you recognize identify as an individuation and everyone has that certain personality so there can be some separate beings that can have a certain personality or that within that although generally what i find is the kind of higher up into the densities that you get it becomes more of a collective a collective consciousness um and even be and even that when i'm channeling more and more these days there's there's like arcturians syrians orions palladians other beings plant spirits noirao blue lotus what ayahuasca whatever it is that's communicating and it's kind of that they all lend their flavor to the communication so you can kind of imagine it like being a committee that has a one spokesperson but that spokesperson is not necessarily one person it's kind of one voice it's one stream of consciousness because that seems to be how it works that everyone has their own contribution and energy to do that in the way that that consciousness is assimilated to use that word again is 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 
the consciousness stream comes through and it's that wave of consciousness that speaks through. So there's no need for the individuated ego because the individuation of the ego of the third density and any ego is a necessity to be separate. And the more and more that the consciousness advances, the more and more the conscious beings or the, the, the level of consciousness advances, there's less and less of that individuation because there's less and less need for that ego because it becomes more of a one heart, one love, one consciousness. So I understood everything you said, but I think that there might be some people that are going to get caught up on that. So, wow, that's beautifully put. And I'm feeling like it's time to wrap up. So before I do, guys, you're going to look down on your phone and there's a rewind 30 second button. Click that a couple times <laughs> and listen to that again, because <laughs> that is very powerful information right there. <laughs> so after you do that, come back to this point and Michael, thank you for being on the show. That was absolutely incredible. I'm honored and grateful that we finally got to the extraterrestrial beings. Um, I do want to give you the floor at this point to promote any of your stuff, give any more words of wisdom. I'm going to grab your links for you, throw them in the show notes below. So yeah, the floor is yours. Feel free to tell my audience, whatever it is that you would love to tell them. Well, firstly, thank you. If you made it this far, this was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks everyone for, for being here. Clayton, thank you so much for, for having me on. Absolute pleasure conversation. I feel like I've been in your front room just chatting and just going, we've gone to we've gone on our roller coaster of all different places. This has been super thrilling. So thank you very much. So you can check out our website, casagalactica.com. I just recommend that you go to that website first, casagalactica.com, and Clayton will have that in the links there. First thing I invite you to do is just subscribe to our newsletter because if you do that straight away, you're going to get a, a guide, a handbook to help activate your intuition completely free. So you could just get that straight in your inbox. And then we've just put on our website as well, part of that when you sign up, that you'll get a five-hour Fundamentals of Trauma Healing Workshop, which is a channeling workshop that I did with a multidimensional healing ceremony in it and really, really digestible ways that you can start healing trauma and showing up for yourself and your family and your life. So if you just get those two things alone, that's going to really help transform your life. And then we also give anyone 20% discount on our private channeling sessions, learn to channel sessions, our trauma healing sessions, our online intuitive readings that you can find on our website. So just sign, to the, sign up to the newsletter and then you'll get that all in your inbox. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is we've got from September this year, our ayahuasca healing and evolution retreats, which there are 10 days with four ayahuasca ceremonies, but they're just four people. So we work with people in the smallest, most intimate groups that we've ever worked with before. And the intention of these groups is to absolutely catalyze your own healing and evolution to integrate a lot of the topics that we've talked about today. We have channeling workshops, we have one-on-one -on -one sessions, we have group workshops, we have Qigong, we have ayahuasca ceremonies. We have also eight plus different plant medicines to help clean the body, mind, and spirit, to help open, activate your intuition, empower your healing, and embody your truth. And we're in the beauty of the Andean Mountains in Pisac in the Sacred Valley of Peru, which is the land of Machu Picchu, of the Incan ruins, which you also have add-on tours as well that you can go and see all these ancient sites and Incan ruins. And I run these retreats with my beautiful and amazing wife, Jamie, 
Thornhill, who is an amazing intuitive medium. She's one of my biggest teachers, my best friend, love of my life. She's amazing. And she is absolutely awesome. And I'm so excited to do this work with her. Uh, we've st- studied and trained in the Shipibo tradition in the Amazon rainforest. And we've run our multidimensional center for healing and evolution for quite some time now. And these retreats that we've come back at after the pandemic are our most intimate and authentic recognitions of our true selves that we share with you. And it's going to be a ride. It might be tough. It's awesome. But even if you can't make it to Peru, if you can't start that car and you're stuck in New York, <laughs> then I invite you. invite you to connect with us online because we've got a a whole host of courses and online sessions that we that we will be able to help you here and now everything we've talked about learning to channel by the way just want to let you know everyone can learn to channel you don't have to be some special person or anything like this everybody can learn to channel everybody's intuitive it's just about recognizing what's here and now everybody can heal trauma and we just hear we're just really passionate about imparting tools gifts that can help people to live their true selves, to express their soul blueprint, to live a more happy, harmonious, loving life with ourselves, with the planet, with each other. So check out casagalactica.com. All those things will be there. Plus we've got a whole host of other videos, podcasts, and articles on our, our growth portal where we dive into topics and yeah, share things for consciousness expansion. So thank you so much to everybody. And of course, when you reach out on our website as well, if you want to, learn more about the work that we do, please feel free to contact us and we do 30 minute free consultations with everyone. So if you want to learn more about that, just click there at the bottom of the page on the side, click for a 30 minute free Zoom consultation and we'll be happy to jump on and talk more about how we can be a specific benefit to you and your own personal circumstances. So just absolutely prayers and blessings out to every one of you, to the planet, to all beings, just that all beings may be free at peace and in oneness. Thanks so much. I love it. And, uh, Actually, at the end of July, I'm planning, I'm 99% sure I'm going to be coming to Machu Picchu because I want to check it out. So, you know, maybe we'll have to do something or meet up or something and we'll figure it out. Awesome. Yeah, 100%. Hit me up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, we could talk about that offline, (laughs) but while we're still online, um, guys, we opened up the galactic, we opened up the galactic wormhole. So the channel is now intergalactic <laughs> for lack of a better term. So damn, digest that stuff, guys. Maybe rewind it a little bit. Um, definitely. If you have more galactic questions, hit up Michael, hit up myself. And, you know, with that being said, let's keep growing together. <laughs> <laughs>